What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Radio presents Hello Guardians and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. I am your host, Cornholio, and tonight we welcome a very special guest. We welcome Robotic Addie on the show. She is the co-host of the Guardian Royale show, and she is a Twitch streamer and one of the most respected members in our community. She works so hard every single day to help Guardians out, to entertain the Guardians, And we're so excited to welcome her on the Destiny Show podcast tonight. We're going to invite Addie on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians. We're going to talk video game price increases. We're going to talk Iron Banter and the latest news from Bungie. So first up, I want to welcome my co-host, Shadow Price. What's good, homie? Oh, you know, just uh, another wonderful day in the neighborhood. Happy to be here talking about Destiny. And that whole garbage truck on fire, you know, that was, I I kid, I kid. We're going to have a crazy (laughs) show. And also, we have the return of Lady Lucida, a.k.a. the Dark Angel. She's back, and she is better than ever. Welcome. Hello. What up, guys? (laughs) It's so great to hang out with you again tonight. And uh, we're going to talk about so many awesome things. I'm excited. And also, we have a very special guest, Robotic Addie. She is 
a really, really awesome content creator. She's a streamer on Twitch. She plays a ton of Destiny, and we're excited to invite you on. So, Addie, welcome. So great to have you on. It's great to be on. Thank you so much for the invitation. Of course, of course. It is an absolute pleasure, and you are doing incredible things with James' work at the Guardian Royale, so we're so excited to tune in every week. If you haven't checked out Guardian Royale, make sure you do that. Twitch.tv forward slash James work. And I guess we're going to put Addy on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians, and we're going to start right now. So the first question we have for you, Addy, it's kind of a question that we ask pretty much every guest that we have, and that is, how did you get started with playing Destiny? Um, I started playing Destiny, I think, um, on Xbox, just as Rise of Iron came out. Um, I was bought it and I decided that I would give it a go. And it was, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it kept me really, really sane uh, as I was pregnant at the time. Um, then we uh, just decided, I, Destiny 2 was probably the first... It was the second game that I'd ever pre-ordered. And so I just got, I got really obsessed with the world and I, I loved how it worked. And, you know, at the time, playing it on Xbox, it was just, it was completely different to anything that I'd ever, ever played. So I fell in love with it. You started on Xbox, you said? Yeah. Yeah, I started out on Xbox. Um... I was an Xbox gamer. I was an Xbox gamer up until Warmind. Um, and then I got a PC and someone was very gener generous enough to gift me um, Destiny 2 with the, the, the expansions involved. And it just continued on from there. So that's, that's really awesome. Uh, you know what? It's interesting you say that because we actually started playing on Xbox as well. Oh, cool. And we originally we had the Xbox 360, although there was a point in time when Shadow Price purchased a PlayStation 3 just to get Metal Gear Solid because it was only exclusive to the, to the PS3. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And thank you all so much for joining us and for being so patient. Thank you for tuning in to the Destiny Show podcast. I want to welcome you all. James Work, shout outs. Thank you so much for joining us. Mr. James Work, he is an amazing individual, one of the greatest Raid Sherpas that I've met, and you should all check out his channel at twitch.tv forward slash James Work, and check out the Guardian Royale that Addy is actually a part of. Mm-hmm. So very, very cool. So we're going to put Robotic Addy on the hot seat tonight for our discussion with the Guardians. And thank you all so much for joining us. We're going to have some really awesome conversations. And we're going to talk about video game price increases that may be coming with the next generation consoles. We're going to talk about the Iron Banner. And... We're also going to put robotic Addy on the hot seat. We're going to learn so much more about Addy. And now, so as you were saying, you got started on Xbox. Mm -hmm. And then 
you got a PC with the release of Destiny 2, correct? I got um I I got a PC and then not too long after that I got um Destiny 2 on PC, but it wasn't it was around about Warmind. It wasn't uh, straight on release. And you said you came in on Rise of Iron when um during Destiny Oh, and Destiny 1 and Destiny 1, yeah, I came in Rise of Iron just as everything was getting released, so I had a ton of content to work through. And it was just oh, yeah. I, I I absolutely loved it. Like I was mostly a solo player until I got into playing um, Prison of Elders. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one day I was just running this Prison of Elders. Uh, two people had joined me, and we were just, you know, we were slaying out and stuff like that, and then uh, they invited me to the Xbox party, and they were like, hey, we were going to run some more. Do you want to you wanna team up? And I'm like, yeah, 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 definitely. And so I ended up playing with them for a while, and then I got in. Through them, I was introduced to quite a, a wide variety of people um, uh, across, across. I think it was mainly UK Xbox players because at the time I wasn't on Twitch. Like I've had a Twitch account since 2014, 2016, something like that. But, um, and I, I dabbled in Twitch when I was about 16, but it wasn't until a few years ago that um well a few about two and a two and a bit years ago that I really uh got back onto Twitch and really started to um get to know people in the community this way. So Yeah. Prison of Elders was is my favorite horde mode like activity that Bungie's ever oh, made. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, um I to be fair, like I don't hold as much of a I know a lot of people um, look at Destiny with uh, uh, with rose tinted glasses, and they think, "Oh my God, it's so cool!" You know, I wish Destiny was Destiny Two was more like D One. I'm like, so although I wasn't there, I wasn't present for most of the issues that I remember hearing about. Like I've heard about them, you know, right. and everything like that. But um, I can definitely, um, I can definitely appreciate just how how innovative if that's the correct pronunciation of the word uh, destiny was at the time um, right they they pioneered like this like live service basically kind of game in a first person shooter like format you know yeah yeah I mean, right you've got borderlands borderlands was like the borderlands is basically the mother of all looter shooters and destiny does a really good job um doing that but in an entirely different setting and the reason that i fell in love with destiny so much is because of writing gunplay. yeah it's the gunplay yeah. for me it's it married call of duty and halo basically well i was you know, about to say it, yeah. it reminded me so much of halo and like i i adore yeah. halo with every fiber of my being the xbox i have is the halo 5 xbox you know what i mean like i i adore halo um, so you must be really excited for halo infinite coming I'm apprehensive. I really am because Halo Five was awful. That's right here. Absolutely I awful. It. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> it does not like Halo Five does not hold a candle to any of the other Halo games. Um, so I'm apprehensive to see what they do. Um, I mean, it's three, four, three's third time. So hopefully, third time's a charm. You know, let's, third see, time's let's, a see, charm. let's yeah. see if they can get it. <laughs> I hope so. I would. I would love to be able to fall in love with Halo all over again. Like it's wonderful being able to play Halo on PC, 
Um, but frankly, I spent so so much of my time is actually dedicated to Destiny 2 that I never really get a chance to play any other games. Um, the struggle is real. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have so many games that I've neglected because of Destiny and Destiny 2. Yeah. Um, so it's like I've got to make a spreadsheet literally to like log the games that I have and then try to allocate the time for that. <laughs> True. So yeah, I, I think since I got my PC, I probably have over 300 games just on PC alone. And I have another couple hundred on consoles. It's, it's ridiculous. And I don't really have the time to play. Mm-hmm. And I have Xbox game pass that I haven't logged into for like two and a half months, but that's a whole nother story. Because I play Destiny. Destiny is my game. When I do have that time, it's kind of like that comfort food, right? It's that place that feels like home. And that's what Destiny has become. And I think the big part of why, it's because of Bungie. Because Bungie is extremely good at making shooters. They create a shooting experience unlike any other in any video game. And I think Call of Duty probably comes close but nobody does it like Halo. And that's why they succeed so much. And that's why they've gotten away with some of the issues that we've had in the game as well. Because it's for the things that they're so good at, like the shooting mechanics, like the art style, like the music. These are all things that are just so good and so immersive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Addy, how did you get started on Twitch? and with your streaming um so at the time i was i was in a relationship and he had been uh streaming on and off not anything serious but he had been streaming on and off for for uh, a while and then he brought it up to me again and i was at the time i was a you know i was a parent to, to a child i wasn't actually i didn't have a field like i didn't have a job as a stay-at-home mom and i thought um we both kind of decided that we would do uh um we would do um like a, a joint stream and then he got a full-time job and worked night shift and so i decided to carry on on my own channel and you know like for quite a while like i spent most of my time just getting to know other people in the community i met james um I met quite a few people that aren't around anymore. They just don't stream on Twitch anymore. Or I know a couple of them that are coming back. But um, I met such wonderful people in in the directory. And then I I started myself. um, And just kind of streamed for for fun, for hobby. At the time, I I had postnatal depression. And so it was the kind of depression that I was too scared to leave my house. So streaming and playing video games gave me i wouldn't say more of a i wouldn't mm-hmm. really say an escape but more of a an a social um aspect so it enabled me to still connect with people and talk to people um without having to exit out of my house and you know I'd, I'd be comfortable and everything like that and you know it's two and a half years later and I'm still going and it's and I'm incredibly thankful for where I am now if it you know if it wasn't for the kindness that has been shown to me and shown to many others in the directory I wouldn't be where I was now so I'm a very very lucky person 
Yeah, you know, I think the Destiny community is very special. I think it's probably the the biggest community that comes together in, in the biggest way. I, I yeah. don't think there's any other community that has so much support and that has so much dedication to do so many awesome things. Um, like mm-hmm. the campaign for uh, Black Lives Matter and the most recent campaign, if you subscribe to two content creators, you get this emblem that really shows Bungie's dedication to making the world a better place. And I really appreciate that. And that's not even to mention what everyone is doing for St. Jude's James work, including like him. I mean, doing so many amazing things with guardian Royale, you guys are doing amazing things and it's, it's awesome. That that is hugely down at the community. The community are so generous with their time and um, with their finances and stuff like that. It allows us to be able to, um raise the money that's needed where it needs to go so we we dedicated the entirety of june to like every show to saint jude children's hospital as it was june is normally the month where you know the destiny community rally together and do raise money for for saint jude um although there was some very serious pressing issues that had happened throughout that time as well um myself i've taken part in obviously with the Garden Royale, but I've also taken part in two other charity uh, streams. One that I streamed for personally and one that I joined other others on for in, in the past two weeks. Um, and it just astounds me just how much uh, the community as a whole care. Um, I, it just I, shows how giving they are too, and especially during the height of like pandemic and you know, things like that, you know, all the bad things that are happening around the world, but it's just shows how much generosity the destiny community has. They're all yeah, absolutely. So. absolutely. Yeah. And shout know. outs to the Bungie foundation for everything they do. I mean, every time there's a need in the world, whether it be in the States, whether it be with COVID, whether it be the tragedies with Australia, they always come together in a big way and that's what i really love about bungie and the entire destiny community definitely it's just so the next question we have is from one of our community members on twitter Mm -hmm. and the question is if you could have a voice actor from any show or production have a part in the future of destiny who would you pick if she's not already in this, that I would, I would definitely have to. So I'm a massive fan of something called Critical Role, and it is a um, a show uh, about Dungeons and Dragons, and the cast is made up entirety ent- entirely of voice actors. Um, one of them is Laura Bailey, and she is a huge inspiration. She is a wonderful voice actor. She is a wonderful human um, and she juggles uh, married life, um, working as a voice actor, being on this show every week um, called Critical Role and being a mother as well. I, I would love, I think she recently just finished, she was the voice between the protagonist, uh, behind the protagonist of uh, Last of Us 2. Um, 
what's really funny actually is Ashley Johnson, the voice actor for Ellie in The Last of Us, is also on Critical Role. Um, but I think just I would have said Matt Mercer, who is the dungeon master for Critical Role, but he actually already has voice lines in Destiny too. He's the human male voice actor. Um, so I think it, it would have to be Laura Bailey or Talison Jahafe. Like, definitely. I, I love them so much. I got so much into Critical Role. And unfortunately, I just don't have the time nowadays to sit down and, and watch it as like every episode is between four and five hours long. Wow. <laughs> just as long as the game itself. <laughs> um, and as long as our podcast. <laughs> it's not be that long this week. I tell myself every week it's not going to be that long. Yeah, right. But uh, that's okay. And thank you, Princess Goose, for your question. We appreciate you. Uh, the next question we have is another question from Twitter. Mm-hmm. And the question is, if you could hang out with any single being across the Destiny universe, who would it be with and why? Ooh, any single person or being. Um, do you know what? It would probably be Aura, Oryx. Mm-hmm. When, just as when they were in, when he was in the exploring mode, when he was just, he wanted to know more. He wanted to learn about the universe. This is the whole thing about Oryx is that he was not, he was not like a destroyer. He was not anything that he just, knowledge, he thirsted for knowledge. Um, so probably Aura, Oryx. Yeah. I think that was like, or, or, or hanging out with Orash when Oryx was obviously um, a, a female um, on their, their home world of Fundament. I think that would have been to really, like, understand. Be a fly on the wall there? <laughs> Not even that. I was just, just going to say, like, get to know, like, the, the um, how that was before they became who they became. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, see what their their home was really like and... Yeah, I think, yeah, it would have to be them, really. Like, as much as a... Like, I would love to say, like, I want to go back to the Twilight Gap and hang out with Shaxx and stuff. Uh, there's just so many. I think I want to understand more about the enemies that they face in-game. <clears throat> you know who I'd want to hang out with? Mm. I just want to hang out with Cade 6. <laughs> In the day with Cade 6. If I can spend one day with him, it would be amazing. Because mm-hmm. I think he would be the coolest character to just hang out with. I want to hang out with Marasov because she bows to no one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marasov is an interesting character. She's yeah. very, there's a lot of intricacies in her character that I, I want to see what her day is like, every, you know, every day. Like, she's talking to the Nine, she's probably talking to Elsie Bray, who... You know, who else is she communing with? You know, so because she's such a powerful figure in the world of Destiny. I don't know if she's actually been communing with Elsie Bray. I know she's really been talking with um, Eris, and she's one of the reasons that Eris has become driven again. Um, yeah. I find it really, really interesting. Um, going slightly off topic here, I find it really interesting how they've linked the nine back to the Drifter, Elsie, and, um, and Eris. I'm really excited for that. That's that's going to be amazing. Yeah. 
it's going to have some pretty cool um, world building things i think you know just environment you know storytelling not just environmental but you know also like through cutscenes and whatnot mm-hmm. yeah i'm really excited for elsie bray to uh, come back in the game that's gonna be really exciting and i got my statue it was probably available on amazon very briefly i'd like to see who dark angel would want to or lady lucida would want to hang out with that's a good one. Lady Lucida, who would you want to hang out with? Ooh, that's a good question. Who would I want to hang out with in the Destiny universe? Ooh. Choice. Don't say Cornholio. So... Damn. <laughs> ha ha ha. Very funny. Um, hmm. If I could hang out with anybody in the Destiny universe. Ooh, this is tough. This is tough because. I want to start like so many. I love all of the characters. I love all of them. I, I think it'd be somebody like, from the hive, um, probably, right? I, either either Savathun, because she's I was cool. thinking that. I was thinking Savathun. Savathun. I was like, Savathun, teach me. What do they mean? What do the runes mean? What about Zeevo Wrath? <laughs> oh, yeah, Zeevo Wrath would be cool. I'd be like, uh, you good? Where, where <laughs> are you at? You busy? Like... There's, like, the biggest war ever happening in, like, the whole cosmic balance of the universe is, like, at stake, and you're not here? Huh? Confusion? She's she's also plotting, probably. (laughs) We shall see. We'll see. She wasn't more of a plotting type. She just was more of a, oh, look, fighting. Bye, I'm gonna go fight. Well, Zero, um, Sabathun and Oryx were much more of the planning, plotting type. She just was, Zivu Rath was more of the punchy punch. But if I mm. couldn't hang out with the enemies, if I had to pick, like, someone in the tower or, like, a friend, I'd either pick Ada One, because I think she's cool, or the Drifter. Drifter is usually a popular choice. Drifter's great. He's Trash Uncle. I love Trash Uncle. <laughs> trash Uncle. He's Trash Uncle. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm curious to see what they do with the Drifters character this season and going into this fall. I'm excited. He knows I'm, a lot of things. You know, he's he does. He knows. He's, yeah. Like the nine said, he's he's one of the the special people, I guess. Because it's it's like your creepy uncle Harris? who's watching you. Yeah. Nah, I I I have a different take on Drifter. Um, I think that he. Uh, did not want to be involved in what the 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 risen were doing, and so he decided to get the the heck off of, off of um, Earth. And then you see him sprinkle. You learn slowly over time that he is sprinkled throughout the history that you'd never even have thought of. Like he's Wee Ming, you know what I mean? He owned a bar, like the Iron Lords frequented. You know, it's 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 mind boggling to me just how much. He's actually woven with, like into uh, the lore. Um, I think it's really cool that he is one that has transcended his uh, his his shape, as it were. And I find that um, I actually find that really really interesting, as three have transcended their own shapes, and that's exactly what happened with um, with the hive, with Oryx, with Zuba Wrath, and with Sabathun. So the, the parallels there are really, really interesting. Um, 
I think it's whatever is going to happen coming in the next the, the next expansion, it's going to be huge, especially with the added of stasis. And the thing is, is that the Drifter has always... Um, Dabble in the darkness? Well, that's it. It's like he doesn't... He's not a light bearer. He can... He's, well, he's a rogue light bearer, as his title is in-game. But he is... He's always, like, toe the line between light and dark. He's not... He's, like, what... I like to refer as a... Like, he's a... Um, he's a grey Jedi. You know, you've got the Jedi, you've got the Sith, and then you've got the grey Jedi. To me, Drifter would be what a grey Jedi is in Destiny. Because he uses both sides. You know, you can't... When you yeah. pick up moats in, in Gambit, they're, they're dark moats, sure, but they are encased in light, which means that he... Which says to me, definitely, he's definitely playing both sides for sure, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and and you know, I think that with the introduction of the upcoming expansions, the darkness is going to become more essential to bring out the light. I think, I think, and Lady Lucida, maybe you can shed some light on that because you are the lore expert. Yeah, I'm hmm hmm thinking. I think a lot of it is about balance. You can't if you have too much light, there's it it has to be like a balance. Like if there's too much dark, that's not good, but if there's too much light, it's blinding, you can't see. If it's too dark, you can't see. You got to have both. Because there's this lore entry, I believe it's for the... Shoot, I forgot what the ship is. It's a ship in Destiny 2, and it's about Ulantan. Ulantan, or all... Yeah. He's a... Was a warlock that was exiled from the tower. Shocking. That happens a lot. Warlocks getting exiled from the tower. Why is it always but, the warlocks? Because <laughs> they're smart. Okay. Too smart for their own good. Sounds yes, like it. basically. And he was exiled because he thought the darkness and the light were two sides of the same coin, which we now know is actually pretty true. But at the time, the speaker was like, no, that's heresy. How dare you? No, we have to destroy the the dark. We have to make there be light everywhere. And Ulantan was like, um, I don't know about that, guys. You guys are a little crazy. Hold on, I'm going to pull up the lore entry because one of the things he says is just very profound i think i think well, you the can't ship have light without called... the dark you know oh it's like symmetry flight. Of... yeah it's one of the ships um blah 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 um basically therefore i conclude the reason you persecute me is not because of the symmetry side a side thing the symmetry is like kind of like a cult of osiris thing that he is in charge of but he's more in charge of it than how Osiris was more like there's a cult worshipping my stuff I don't want anything to do with him be gone but yeah Ulantan was much more involved with his faction um, it's because of the truth beyond this truth the truth which you most dread if we could destroy the darkness but we had to give up our light to do so how many of us would make that trade which I think is pretty interesting all things considered because like they're they're both the light and the dark the winnower or i guess the gardener and the winnower 
They're like linked. They're linked. I mean, you can't get rid of one without another. It's kind of hard. Yeah. Just like I said, the light, there wouldn't be like a light without the dark and kind of like they're kind of dependent on each other in a way. Exactly. They're they're dependent on one another. So I don't know if we're necessarily going to destroy the darkness, but I think definitely we'll. I mean, if what Ulantan says is true, if we have to give up the light to defeat the darkness, how many of you guys would make that, would do that? Like, give up. But then, like, would we even be guardians anymore? Like, that's the kind of an interesting... I mean, you would say that Edis is still a guardian, but she doesn't have her light. True. True. She, yeah. has, a, she has a different power, but she still has her... She's still kinetic the class as a guardian. I think it'd be very, yeah. very interesting to see from a, from a point of view, for the guardians that have lived hundreds upon hundreds of years, if they have a chance to end their light... The question, like, give up the like. The question is, is that would they die instantaneously, or then would they start to age? Because technically, all oh, guardians yeah, were brought true. back. All guardians were brought back from the dead, and it would be interesting to see, like, when when someone loses their light. I suppose they do not actually, um, they don't die instantaneously. Otherwise, Eris would be dead. So, if you have to give up your light to get rid of the darkness, the the thing is that there there will always be light and there will always be dark. There is no two ways about it. It is the same as yin and yang. It's always in the universe. And I have I have I have continuously said this for for God knows how long. I love the lore. I'm I'm a little bit of a lore lore nerd. Um, I think that it's um. The, the gardener and the winner are direct references to the garden to the the traveler and the darkness. Um, oh yeah, definitely. So it's it's interesting to see where they're actually going to go with this, but I I think that genuinely to protect to protect the 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 home that the guardians have, I don't even think that they need to choose specifically. I don't think they need to choose the light or the dark. But they have to do what uh, Shin Malfur and the Dredgens were doing, and is to use both in moderation. The thing, um, there was uh, the lore to do with the Dredgen and the Shin and everything. Shin was Dredgen Veil and everything like that, and how um, he was, you know, essentially what had happened is that they, they staged a um basically like an act so this one person callum he starts getting all extremist with the darkness and saying we can use the darkness to the full of our abilities blah 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 and then you know anyone who agreed with him and decided to follow him um they were all gunned down by shin malfur that's what I was just thinking. Is Shin going to gun us down now? Because we're going to be dabbling in the dark with, oh, no, the, like, the, is, with the stasis? No, <laughs> the thing is, is that Shin was actually working with the Dredgens. Shin Malfur is Dredgen yeah. Vale. It's, right. it's this, they, they intentionally set it off, set it up like that, so that they could get rid of the people who were too close to the darkness, who was close to getting lost in it. The thing that the Dredgens eventually came to is obviously um, judging yours. Um, uh, Brazil. He got lost in the darkness. He went way too too far down that rabbit hole. 
and the dredgens nowadays are saying is that that you don't it's not necessarily a bad thing to use the darkness to just don't protect. go all the way <laughs> just don't go all the way dark that's all <laughs> yeah i see everything in moderation <laughs> yes it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out this fall and beyond right? beyond light you know i mean it's all, the, yes. it's all in the name so it's all in the name i like that <clears throat> shadow price look at you go so i'm making, the, I'm making know, the connections i'm doing it we're gonna switch it. things up a little bit we're gonna we're gonna talk about you for a little bit we're gonna get to know you a little better and the next question i have for you is who inspires you as a content creator and why um there's there's a lot of people actually um james has been a huge inspiration to me and he has done he's shown me so many different ways of being a content creator He's one of the first people that I joined when he was doing Sherpa runs and I very quickly started running with him an awful lot. And, you know, he showed that you can have patience and you can, um, you know, it doesn't, you could be stuck in a raid for, well, you could be in a raid for an hour. You could be stuck there for six hours. It doesn't help anybody if you lose your temper. Like, I think that it's, um, He's a really, really good example of uh, how a teacher should be. He's not a, you know, he doesn't carry, he teaches. And that's something that I've always brought along into when I'm teaching people how to do something in the game. I was thinking um, the exact same thing as you were saying that. I was like, yeah, he's a great teacher. Yeah. I then have Megany. Um, who is a who's a fantastic UK content creator? She is an absolute gem. She she and I have become friends uh, very very quickly. We've known each other for over a year now, um, and she was a spectacular human to meet. And she has she as well as Aura have both shown that. Um, being yourself, being true to yourself, and being 100% of yourself on stream is the best, the, the absolute best way. Like, if you've never been in a, in a Magni stream or an Aura stream, you need to go there because they're just so funny. And, like, you can tell that they are just who they are on stream is who they are genuinely. Um, I, have a, I have a lot of different people that I really look up to. Another one would be Nate, uh, Black Korean Nate. Um, he is, uh, he mucks around a lot and he has a lot of fun, but he's also very wise in his own way. And he gave me a lot of tips when I started to grow, like really started to grow. He, um, was very, very nice in you know, we we became friends. Like most of the people that I'm, like all, all all four people that I've mentioned so far, were friends. You know, it's not anything. It's not like a. Uh, um, I never feel awkward with them, and I always feel like if I could, if I needed to talk to them about something, that they'd be they'd be ready to 
talk to me and stuff like that. They've never made me feel awkward. Um, but Nate is a very wise human, although he hides it. Excuse me, sorry. Um, he hides it very, very well. Um, there's a lot of content creators that I draw inspiration from, like Pretty Petty LA. She's an amazing human, and she's such a strong woman. Um, Katie Mouse is also an extremely strong woman, and I love her to death. Um, they're just very, very good examples of being a decent human being. And it's not just, you know, it's it's not just content creators. Like the, it's not just that they're content creators that I look up to. It like is why I look up to them. I look up to them because they're decent human beings and they constantly help me better myself. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of people that I could thank. Now, looking back into your streaming career, when would you say you had your quote unquote big break and when things kind of started to really take off for you? Um honestly, I don't think I've ever <sighs> There's been um there's been a definitely a an increase in support since December. But when I look back at a graph of my growth since I started, it's been a very steady incline. Um there's been no like major mountains or anything that has really um spiked. I think I really started to notice it uh in November time last year and then December it just from December onwards there's just been um huge amounts of support and um it's just continuously grown and like I'm you know I'm in July thinking when is this gonna you know when is this gonna stop when is the rug gonna be pulled underneath from underneath my feet because I feel like an incredibly lucky human being to be able to to have the community that I have that want to support me. And, you know, it's because of them that I can continue doing this as a full-time job and continue to have the roof above my head and feed my daughter and feed myself and feed my dog. You know, it's, um, I think December time is really when it, it definitely kicked off. And um, I felt very, very overwhelmed by it, but very, very lucky. That's really awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And this year has been pretty challenging for all of us, I would say. Um, it's been a really weird, weird, weird year. Lots of stuff. Um, what are some important lessons that you learned in this past year in the world of gaming and just in life? Always wear a goddamn mask. It's one of them. It's <laughs> a good one. That's a good one. Um, I agree. I think for me, um, uh huh. For me, I learned quite a quite a lot of life lessons when I was young. 
so the things that are happening in the Destiny 2 directory right now in the, the community with the outing and everything like that, um, I learned lessons about not to trust people in um, in very high, like on, on their platforms or, or they're very well regarded and stuff like that. I learned quite a long time ago that people are not always what they seem. Um, I think that the life lessons, I suppose, that I would have learned is that um, it's just, a, it's, I mean, it's not even really something that I've learned. It's just something that's been brought to the forefront. It's is that you always, you always know this, but it takes, sometimes it takes like a huge moment for it to, to really hit you. Like everybody has their own story. You are, you're the main character in your own story, but you are definitely like a, an NPC. Like everybody else, to everybody else, you are an NPC, you know, like, but they have their own stories and they have all of these things that they're going through. And people can be very, very good at covering any emotional turmoil that they're going through. Um, what I've learned is probably not to take everything at face value. And that, um, one, well, there is one major, major thing is that just because that you put enough passion uh, into someone's dream, they're not always going to respect that. And you have to be careful about who you spend your time with and who you dedicate your time with. Um, but I've also learned that there are so many wonderful, wonderful people in this community and that um, when you treat people how you want to be treated, it does come back to you. Whether that being, like, if you treat someone negatively, that is going to come back on you. If you treat someone positively it will come back on you really it's it's simple it's simple small things that you know we may already know but until something major happens it doesn't really um come to the forefront of your mind well said yeah and karma is a real thing and if you are good to others if you spread positive vibes it'll come back to you and that's that's so true it's also staying true to yourself too. You know, it's like, and, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I gathered from what you were saying. Uh, Eddie. Totally. Yeah. I just think that uh, you reap what you sow. Yeah. Um, so Eddie, going back to destiny for a little bit, what are your thoughts on seasons in destiny Two since the launch of shadow keep? Um, I think seasons seasons are an important part of destiny. I don't think that because we're so used to constantly having content, we're always we're used to something new coming. If we were to go back to a model of Destiny One where we go nine months without really anything, a lot more people would leave the game. I think that it's the seasonal model can be can be changed. Um, it definitely can have a few tweaks here and there. But I think it's important um, to have like a, a a refresher put into the game every every three months. I think it's important to have just a little bit new new, a little bit more content, a little you know something something to just 
help us keep going because it's really like although um although I'm tired of seeing the same thing about Cabal um it was really cool that they tied that back uh last season you know that the almighty was still hanging around the solar system and now it's finally gone probably not in the way that we wanted it to go go but you know um but i think yeah seasonal content is to me personally i think it's vital for the game's continuous um continuous health to be able to inject fresh things into the game um so the people that do use do, like do have like treat destiny as their job they always have something to do and then there's always something fresh for for casual players too so it's it's a and especially right now like um um i think it's especially important that right now they are they are trying to erase FOMO as much because now you can earn previous season weapons from the 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 recaster. So and that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> but it, it's vital for the game's survival, I think personally. I know a lot of people aren't big fans of like drip content and stuff, but I would rather drip content than getting a massive a massive update. A massive amount of content be running around lost for the first day and then racing through it all to try and take take part in a world's first race the three days after um i agree with some of that like i I, like i agree that we should have that content but like i also agree there should be tweaks to it there i don't (laughs) think it's definitely not where they want it to be like what would you change about the season what would you change about the seasonal content what would I change? I would, for one, I would refresh the Avengers every season. Absolutely. That's, that's, I agree. that's definitely one thing I would do because it will add to more variety in the game. You know, chasing new weapons is always fun. Like, you know, I, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of like getting new weapons. Okay. Right? That's definitely one thing. I, one place I would start is that. But I think they're going to be doing it next year though too and this in and in the fall with uh the cosmodrome coming back and they're going to be fleshing it out even more to the year one parody you know to Mm -hmm. what we had in destiny one and that's exciting because i have a lot of nostalgia for places like the cosmodrome Mm -hmm. you know and it's like in my perfect destiny i want to see all the planets come back i want to see venus come back I would like to see um, the original Mars come back. Not not the one we got in Destiny 2, but the original Mars. I think that's slightly realistic, though. The game will become way too large to have all planets be available in one in one game. On the last-gen consoles, yes. But on the current new, new consoles, they're going to be able to push a lot of horsepower. No, Just I mean, as in, like... Uh, like actual download size like the the entire reason they're vaulting so much is and the reason that we're getting so many bugs right. is because oh, i'm not saying i'm not saying bring it all back at once i'm not saying that i'm saying just bringing cycling in it bringing it in bringing it new making it fresh adding some new weapons and things like that just things for us to do in the game that you know we enjoy doing in like destiny one but give it that destiny two like coat and everything you know too that, that's what I'm saying. You know, 
and then like a little bit more i don't know more the story be a little bit i guess i don't know I mean, I, I don't, very well this season though like we're we're getting a new are. we're basically running the same three missions or like you know we're gonna run the same three missions every time but we're getting more lore tidbits and we're getting more story behind it as well that's true yep i i agree with that 100 percent. but i'd like to see it go even further with it i'd like to see them do that and i would love this is i don't know this is a big ask ranked play i would like ranked play ranked mm-hmm. in like like a true ranked play like they have in halo and things like that you know? i don't so, think that will, that will ever come to destiny destiny is yeah, destiny is never going to be a competitive game and anyone who says that they think it will i i don't think they realize just it's destiny has got too many broken weapons to become a competitive game because all you're going to end up getting is the double primary meta that we had in d in d2 year one so yeah i think that it's I, I think they could strike a balance, though, if they just find, like, a middle ground. And that's what it all is about, is finding a middle ground. You're trying to please, like, many different players. You know, you're trying to please the veterans. You're trying to please the casuals. You're trying to please the hardcore. You know, there's a lot of players who play Destiny, you know. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be, like, one faction that is never going to be entirely... Thank you. There's um, the other one. Factions factions oh, okay. they, need, they need to figure out what to do with the factions because i thought they what, said the factions they kind of killed factions didn't yeah. they they yeah, said they just, they're not pretty much doing anything yeah no, I, basically, I think they, they said they don't know what to do they still they're still not coming back like maybe eventually they'll come back at some point but you know they they just they you're right they haven't figured it out yet i would like to see that. factions work how i imagine guardian games would work how I imagine Guardian Games to work with that you would get a certain right. amount of points for con- for completing activities on a character. Um, I didn't think that it would re- be revolving around doing bounties. I mean, I should have known better because Destiny at that time had really become Bounty Simulator. Because um, let's be real, I love this game to death, but, you know, doing bounties day in and day out was not the most engaging content um, for me or for, for my viewers. Um, so I think that how I would have liked uh, Guardian Games to work and how I would like factions to work if factions were ever to come back is that you've got tokens or something and yeah we're going back to the token days but the tokens seem a bit a bit more viable than, than bloody bounties is that you basically you just get tokens for completing a particular um, a particular activity um on a particular character so say for example you know i did a raid on my hunter i got like 10 tokens for guardian games and then i got like five tokens for the faction that my hunter was on um i know a lot of people don't really like tokens but i think that if we just got drops for completing activities instead of having to do specific parameters to be able to get tokens to then put in i think would be if you just cut out the middleman and just get rid of the bounties i think uh, guardian games would have been received a lot better and i think that um factions could then potentially have another um uh, could potentially be brought back yeah and that's that's interesting that you say that because this is another thing i'm going to bring back that i think is missing from d2 like in like for d 
you know, that was in D1. It's like just getting that drop at the end. Like, where's our Gallahorn like drops? Where where are these? Where are the? Where, I know it's RNG, but it's exciting getting that you know getting that weapon at the end of that really hard activity or something like that, or even something as simple as the post game carnage report at the end of Crucible where you see everybody's like screen come up and then the rewards, you see everybody's rewards. Yeah. Something as simple yeah. as that. I loved that in D1. I thought that was really cool. Because yeah, y'all, you booed someone that managed to get an exotic in the carnage report, you know what I mean? Yeah, somebody um, at the bottom got Gallahorn, you know? So yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. I think that that would be, that would definitely be something that would be nice to bring back just the after, hell, even the action, the after action report for when you, yeah, yeah. when you kill a raid boss. I want to see how much DPS I did without having a wipe. You know, um, mm-hmm. little quality of life stuff would be really good to bring back to. Yeah. I yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think for me, in terms of the seasonal content, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of miss what we had in Vanilla Destiny with the first two expansions. I actually think despite being somewhat critical of those expansions, I think they did a really good job for what we got. And I do miss that model where you would come into the tower and there's new stuff all around you. There's new activities. There's new raid for you. You know, there's a new end game activity. There's a little bit of a story, even though maybe lackluster, but still there's something there. So I mean, we uh, technically do have end game. We do technically have endgame content this season. You know, we have a, we have a prophecy. We have the dungeon, which is 1060. That's technically endgame content. Um, so 100%. But it's it's a lot of maintenance, and there's a lot to keep up with. Um, I think that as a, as a community, I think we've gotten very, very... Not all of it. I think some people have become very entitled in what they think that Bungie should be outputting and stuff. And I think that uh, they may not be as hard off as other people are 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 um are saying that they are. But I think that the this year especially, I don't think we can judge them too harshly on because this is this is the transition gear. This is the transition year between being Activision's, you know, deep in itch, and then becoming their own studio and producing their own content this season i feel is the first season that they've really been able to inject their own kind of flair into things without feeling like they need to be like asking for permission to make sure that this is okay or you know that kind of thing um i think that the the following year i think this this year coming up is probably going to be the best that destiny's been ever I will, I will lay down, and I, I will, I will, I will put that glove down. I think that this, this next year coming up, is gonna blow our minds because this is, this is then Bungie unrestricted. This is them being able to do whatever they want because they are a self-publishing studio. That's a great point. Yeah, no, I am pretty excited to see what Bungie can produce on their own, especially giving them the necessary time because it takes time to build a game it it takes a lot of resources a lot of money a lot of energy so i totally understand that and i'm i'm excited to play beyond light this fall and we're definitely 
going to see what Bungie is capable of going into this fall and beyond. And I'm, I'm excited to see how seasons will evolve, too, because Bungie has been really good at responding to criticism, responding to things that work well, but also responding to the things that don't work well, which is really interesting to see a Bungie that is so open and so transparent. Yeah, I mean, we're we're very lucky that the the community, the the, the game that we play, the the uh, development team are very like they they have got spectacular community managers. You know, um, I think that um, maybe they listen too carefully uh, to to small factions of the community. Looking at you, Reddit, um, I think that they should really. Um, I really think that they should look more towards the the content creators, the ones that play the game day in and day out, and not most of the like some people on um, on Twitter that uh, not Twitter, some people on on Reddit that just they log in, they play a couple of hours of the game, and then they go to Reddit because they're 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 raging. <laughs> You know, um, but no, absolutely. The people you're going to keep playing the game are the people who come back. It's the people who have been playing Destiny. It's going to be the Guardians who have been there from the beginning, right? Like us. Mm -hmm. So I think if they build the game around that, and I think that was kind of the mistake they made in Vanilla Destiny too because they kind of catered the game to new players versus really building a strong foundation for the players who have been there since the beginning, who have stuck with the game. Mm -hmm. So great, great point. So let's pivot to something a little bit different. We're going to have a little fun. If Bungie hired you to write the next chapter for Aldrin Sov, where is he? What is he doing? And what role does he play in the Destiny universe? He would become Hunter Vanguard in my story. I'm not even. I'm, I'm not even gonna. I think that uh, the Vanguard there, first of all, means that whoever killed Kate would have to take over Hunter Vanguard. Okay. And to me, Elgin is a hunter. It's not, I don't, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe it's actually being confirmed what guardian class he is or what, you know, what he's shown. Oh, he is definitely a hunter. Like, yeah, he, I, would, I would assume that he's a hunter, yeah. but I haven't read in any lore piece to confirm that he is actually a hunter. Um, the, the garb he wears is, is very hunter-like. It doesn't look like mm -hmm. a warlock. It's not a dress. It's not a, you know, he's not wearing, like, titan gear or anything like I mean, that. To, well, I mean, to be fair, like, when, mm -hmm. when he woke up, the only time that we've really seen him is when he was still in his Dreaming City gear. Um, yeah. So he wouldn't have even had the chance to get the armor this particular to his class. I just, I think it would be very interesting. Uh, they need to continue this story. They really do. Because it's it's going on over a year. We, what, two years? Yeah, year because... Yeah, it's a year and a half. It'll be two years by the time the fall expansion comes out. We're not going to get anything about Elgin Sov this season. 
So it'll be two years. Um, and this is one thing that always that, that kind of irritates me about Bungie is that now uh, we're only getting like some tie-offs of some stories that we've we've been going since like the start of Destiny. Like in Destiny One, Elsie Bray. Like it's I just I would really like some some more linear storytelling. Like, you know, think of like a, a single player game. Like you have got very linear storytelling. I would like a little bit more of that in Destiny so that I don't I have lots more questions than I do answers in any in any way, shape, or form in the Destiny story and the Destiny lore. Um but for me, Aldrin Sov would become the Hunter Vanguard. And he would be hated for a while. I call her a bunch of in the face, probably. <laughs> I don't think that she would, because what you've got to remember is, is that every there's only a select few guardians that know who they were before they became a guardian. Um, when you are resurrected by the light, you have no idea. I think her emotions did. would get the best, but she would understand in the end. Like she's going to be very emotional when you know at first when she As a, that happens. I mean, however much emotion that Ikora actually shows. Um, like I also would like to to see my own my own guardian actually have a conversation with Aldrin. I'd actually finally want to know who was the one that actually shot him to kill him. I want to know whether it was whether it was Petra or, or if it was me or if it was both of us at the same damn time. I'd love to know that. Like Forsaken really took us to the to edgy to not edgy but like to closer to the darker like the 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 more we've gone on the darker we've got the the more nightmarish like not to make a pun but with Shadowkeep we started seeing nightmares of of Everest's dead fire team and it's slowly gotten darker and I'm all for it I don't I don't need destiny to be a fluffy um pink unicorn game I I love nitty gritty I love all that kind of stuff so I would love to see Elgin become the Hunter Vanguard and see the, the, the various difficulties that the, the Vanguard would have to do deal with and, and various people in the tower would have to deal with. Um, but with Elgin, I want to see... I wouldn't even say that we'd have to, to redeem himself because, one, he was, he was seduced and... and, and taken over by the darkness and um, and that's that's natural of the like he was probably more um he was probably more prone to it than, than the guardians guardians are full of light awoken are half light and half dark you know that's that's how they were made um so i think it would be very interesting to see people see him start to like redeem himself for the things that he's done um but then again, I don't know whether he actually would need redeeming because, you know, uh, he can't. Can you redeem yourself for something that you don't even remember doing? Like, is that a thing? Or I don't know. It's. I want some more answers. I want to know what Mara's doing because Mara knew that the 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 ships were coming for two years. So. Yeah, sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there, but yeah. And we're just going to have to keep playing to learn more, and hopefully we get more information this coming fall. I mean, the nine tells you to keep playing the game, so, you know, it's... uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
<laughs> so we have to play, see? So speaking of playing Destiny, Addy, where will you be playing Destiny 2 Beyond Light? Where will I be playing? I'll be uh, playing on PC. I am a PC gamer. I'm not, uh, I have not turned on my Xbox to play Destiny in about nine months. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'll be playing on PC. It's really hard. Yeah. To I'll tell you one thing. I am excited to check out Destiny on the Xbox Series X running in 4K60. I'm pretty yeah, excited to. That looks like we have to pick that I would, up. I would, I would love to, but I don't want to spend like five, 500 or so pound on a new console when um, I'm quite happy where I am. Like most of my community is on PC. I'm sure, I'm sure a few, a few people is also, are also like on consoles and stuff like that, but Frankly, it's not. It's not necessarily the frames that stops me going back from to Xbox. It's the fact that I can't use mouse and keyboard. Um, I as soon as I moved to to PC, um, I picked up mouse and key and I haven't looked back. And using a controller in Destiny is just extremely difficult for me. So, um, because I just don't have the freedom as I do on uh, mouse and key. So, so pretty much yeah. me and Shadow Price have to GG because we are still using our PS4 controllers after I'm using my Switch Pro controller. Now is it three years? I use my Switch Pro controller on PC. Don't, don't talk I to guess. me about Switch Pro controller. <laughs> I've been trying to get I love that it. It's my favorite controller. It's such a it's such a good controller. I love it. Well, before we wrap things up with our discussion with the Guardians. I do want to ask, Addy, what is next for you? What are you planning on doing this coming fall or beyond? Wait. Um, I'm just going to be doing what I do every day. I don't, I don't have any huge, huge, huge things planned. I just, um, I play a lot. I help a lot of people complete pve activities that they can't get the fire teams for um i'm still planning on working with james with guardian royale and saturday night warm-up um i'm just here to have fun like we're we're slowly getting up there in regards to um twitch partnership but that won't be i anticipate that uh anything like that would probably be towards the end of the year um but i'm in no rush i'm i'm there is not an awful lot of difference between affiliation and partnership now um the only major thing that that is different is a purple check mark next to your name and right now i'm in no mad rush like this is this is indeed still my this is like my my full-time job but i'm still a parent first um I'll probably be taking time off when my daughter goes back to school so that I can kind of reset my own schedule. I am a UK person living on an EST uh, time zone, which is fun. Um, but yeah, no, just continuing so to do... right now in your time zone? Out of curiosity. It's coming up 2 a.m. here right now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
you're fine. You're fine. Like you said, it's a podcast to be on. We're so long. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't worry about it. Like, I've got, um, you know, Guardian Royale will go on until about three o'clock in the morning for me. Like, this isn't anything, this is not anything new to me. Um, so you've been preparing for this moment. Okay, I see. <laughs> I see this now. Awesome. So, Guardians, thank you. Thank you, first off, Addy, for opening up and for being so honest and for sharing your story with us and our amazing community. We really appreciate you. And I think this is a good segue to talk about the Iron Banner because it's live. We have the Iron Banner event that's taking place as we speak right now. And it's a good opportunity to talk a little bit about Iron Banner and how we can make the activity better and what we think about it. And uh, the first question I have for the group is, what do you think of the current state of Iron Banner today? I think it's good. I think it's in a, it's in a much better place than it was. Having skill-based matchmaking in it was, uh, was a slog. It turned every match into a sweat fest and i'm you know i'm quite happy to be on and to be on and, and going through it and you know sometimes getting stomped sometimes doing the stomping and sometimes having close matches um the weapons that have come out are extremely interesting so um i really do i actually i didn't think i would like this, this sidearm as much as i did but i really do um mainly because i found out it was full auto and i didn't have to keep aiming <laughs> so keep firing sorry because that always throws off my aim but now um, is there any weapon that you would want to see come back to iron manor this fall maybe something from vanilla destiny i want to see claws of the wolf come back yes like claws of the wolf the, the pulse rifle is one of my favorites and like i'm i'm brutal with that gun i like my pulse my pulse rifle fires faster than quite a lot of full auto weapons I love my, I love it. I miss the uh, Nervin's Mercy. I was thinking the same one, Nervin's Mercy, or Yolder's Hammer. Yolder's or, Hammer. Oh yes, oh, man. Or like Finale's Peril. Um, <laughs> yeah, I pretty much any of the Destiny One weapons come back from the you know Iron Banner. Aphrodite Spear. Yeah, really good sniper. I would love to have that again. For sure. I don't know. I, I personally think that a lot of things for, for me, I think a lot of things should stay in D1. Um purely so because they may not work well now in um the We uh, do have Felwinter's Lie though. So I mean it's yeah, know, I think it's gonna pave the way. I think guns like that, you know, because they were willing to I mean, yes, they put it behind a quest. You know, it was a it was a cool quest because we got to learn some lore about Felwinter and Rasputin. And I think that was I, very interesting as well. It was amazing. Yeah. So I would like them to do that with like Ephrodite, like something like that, or like Timur's Lash or, or you know, I would like them to do like, they saw it. If the quest was just uh, executed better, it would have been great. You know, it was just, you know, the, the hiccups they had along the way with the Seraph Towers and things like that. But 
by no means do I think they should not do things like that again. You know, I would love to see the relics of the past come back in a more, you know, upgraded fashion. And we got shop package back with Fell Winter's Lie too. That perk went away in Destiny 1. They took it out of the game, out of every, from every shotgun. Like they, they removed it. So now in Destiny 2, it's the only shotgun that has shot package. Mm-hmm. They took it away in Destiny 1 because it was so OP. It was just literally, that was, you had, you got a shotgun one shot package, you were just going to wreck, wreck pretty much with it in PvP. So, and I mean, we're getting Hawkmoon already back too in the fall. I know that's not Iron Banner weapon, but it's cool that that's one of the exotics that are coming back because I really like Hawkmoon from D1. So mm. I think you could do both. You can, you can bring some of the old back. You can bring some of the things back that came with original D2, spruce them up with some perks, and you can bring some new ones. I would love to see a new flare, you know, new type of Iron Banner weapons, things like they did in like uh, Rise of Iron, like the way they looked there, like the Silver Dread, like a machine gun. And the, what was the other one? What was the, um, what was the, uh, oh, what was the name of the pulse rifle? The Clever Dragon. The Clever Dragon. Uh, mm-hmm. Things like that. I would like to see like a, a mix of that. You know, so I don't know. That's what I'd like to see. I, I like the activity. I like Iron Banner as just a game mode. I think that's great. The only thing that I think has been missing is that the weapons are pretty much the weapons from Destiny 2, and they don't really bring new weapons seasonally, and I really wish they did because it would create fun new incentives to play Iron Banner, and I feel like just getting a different role. Plus, with the sun setting, it's, it becomes a little iffy because I almost feel like now that I know that weapons are being sunset, I'm not in a rush to play Iron Banner until maybe next season when I can get weapons that have, you know, better longevity, I guess. Well, they reissued these, so they're good. Yeah, these are all... These are reissues, so they're they're good till 1360 power, which is like, what? I, I didn't know that. 14, 15? One of them. I don't know. The quest line, I really enjoyed the quest line for that uh, pulse rifle. That was really fun. And mm-hmm. I really hope they do more of that in the game. Um, so I think that's a positive. Also, I really like the emblems that they come out with for Iron Banner. That's always a fun thing to grind out for and get with each season. James has a really, really good point as well. Iron Banner is technically an in-game content kind of thing, and I think that it should... James brings up a really good point and says that freelance... Freelance Iron Banner and his freelance with connection base, so they don't have to keep matching uh, huge teams. I agree with that too. Just look, yeah, I agree for sure. Yeah, and I don't think it would be that difficult for them to implement freelance Iron Banner. No, I think they could just basically copy paste what they have. Um, survival comp. Survival, yeah. I mean, it's not really comp anymore, is it? It's, it's genuinely is just survival. Survival, so. yeah. Survival freelance, yeah. Survival freelance. Yep. 
So now, if you can change anything about Iron Banner going into this fall, what are some things that you guys would change? Take out light level. I'm not even kidding. I'm fed up with light level. I'm fed up with the glitch that you have when so like I faced a legit raid boss today. He was like 1070 something, and it's either so there's two things that can happen. Either you can accidentally glitch out and it will actually give you your uh it will tack on your your um your artifact power on top of it, or you can purposely do it. Now I'm not entirely sure how you purposely do it, but I know there's apparently a way. And the only thing that would uh, really stop that from happening is um, just dis- deactivate light level. Well, they are calling the next expansion Beyond Light, so is it possible that light level as we know it is completely going away? I doubt that. I don't think that um, we're going to be losing our light level because it's the main thing it's the main thing that they do. Sorry you to know, hear me on the gear. Like when, you know, the, like yeah. when they say sunsetting and it's good for this power. So, you know, it's still going to be there. I feel like mm. it might change, like leveling might change a little bit though. You know, so, I mean, we'll see if that happens, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what Bungie does this fall with the power progression and how light level plays into the overall experience of destiny. I got one and I know it's probably, you know, going to be kind of, you know, criticized or whatever, but like a reputation meter, like, like D one, you know, we had a reputation through iron banner you know, level one, two, three, four, five. I, I kind of liked the when we did that um, in, in D1, you know, because it just, I liked when everything had a reputation meter in there. I, I don't like token slamming, you know, it's like, I'm so token rich. I have so many Iron Baron tokens and so many Crucible tokens and things like that. I, I liked the reputation meter better, personally. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I don't like tokens. I, I think that's just... I don't know. I'm kind of tired of tokens, and I'm tired of doing bounties. I just hate having to remember to pick up bounties to do this, and then if I don't pick up the bounties, I'm playing activities, but I'm not leveling up the season pass. It's just... You know, I, I, I wish everything that you did in the game leveled up your season pass accordingly that would make much more sense to me yeah there needs to be more xp balance instead of the best the best way to get your your xp is to just farm bounties mm-hmm. yes both to yeah yes to both so now the the last question that i have about iron banner is how do we think sunsetting will impact the Iron Banner event going into this fall? I mean, that, dep- that depends on if they're going to keep light level or not. If they're going to, like, light level, light level advantage. If that happens, then it will change things a lot. I think we'll see a different meta. Um, 
Um, I don't know. I, I, if it, like, we'll finally see the end of Mountaintop, and we'll finally see the end of some some weapons that have been very superior in PvP. I think um, they keep light level just because of that alone. They don't want you taking Mountaintop and Recluse into, like, you know, their, you know. So that that's one reason to keep light level. Because if you just, like, went back in there with Mountaintop and Recluse, you know, it's just like, unless they nerf the guns into the ground, you know, at, at the end of the season <laughs> or something. So, because, yeah, I, I think it would be nice to see a new metal emerge, for sure. Just just to shake things up, I think. Mm-hmm. It's always good when you see other guns come out of the, you know, come back into the limelight. Like, I'd love to see scouts come back to, like, not dominance, but just at least to their, you know, competitive at least a little bit, you know? Like, there are a few, like, standout ones, like Mida. You can, Mida's still really good, but, and, and Jade Rabbit. It's a great weapon. Um, but I, for the life of me, I can't get the catalyst from Mida. Like, I think you have to go to get to 5,500 in comp, if I'm not mistaken, to, to get it to actually drop for you after that. And yes, unfortunately, I've never made it to 5,500 because I play solo. I play freelance. That's, that's where I spend most of my playing is in survival freelance, you know, so, but I just, it would be nice to see. I, I think a new meta will emerge though in the, in the mm-hmm. fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see. And I think we're going to learn more about it as we get closer to September 22nd when the new season launches. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they address all of these things in the future season. And Addy, did you pre-order your copy of Beyond Light? I pre-ordered the Collector's Edition without code, uh, and then I ordered the uh, Deluxe Edition on Steam. So Awesome. I got... um, What I did. Yeah, I got the collector's edition for, uh, I think, because I spent so much time and I spent so, like, I spent, you know, this this game is essentially my job, you know, well, my job's entertainment, but if it wasn't for this game, I wouldn't be able to do this. So I want to put as much into Bungie as I can, you know, which is why I will, you know, I will... Uh, buy silver, I will spend things in the store and stuff like that because I'm going to support my favorite game. Yeah, and and, you know, it feels better supporting them knowing that Bungie doesn't have a publisher. More money is going directly to Bungie to impact the quality of the game. And, you know, it's it's great to support them and to get something cool in return. I'm actually excited about that collector's edition. And also, there is a really cool Exo Stranger statue that was briefly available on Amazon, but they sold out pretty quickly. Uh, but they do have a version of it with the deluxe edition of Beyond Light, and that's available at GameStop. And I guess the next thing that we're going to talk about, it's pretty, pretty new. And the topic is video games are 
potentially increasing to $69.99 for next-gen consoles. And news came out just today, earlier, that NBA 2K21 will retail for $69.99, which is $10 more than the current MSRP for current-gen games. So That's ridiculous. My question is... And, and first, I want to read the statement that was made by 2K Games regarding this price increase. And this is official. This has been confirmed. And the price increase will take place in multiple regions. It's not just the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. And the statement states the following. We believe our suggested retail price for NBA 2K21 on next-generation platforms fairly represents the value of what's being offered, power, speed, and technology that is only possible on new hardware, the company told BBC. So I guess my question is, what do we think about $70 becoming the new norm for the games that we purchase at the store or online? It's making things less accessible, I think. And games shouldn't be charging more because it's on a it's on a new a new a better hardware. You know, most games are going digital nowadays, which makes sense. This is very much an internet age. You know, I just I don't believe that hiking up the price for video games is going to be uh, beneficial. Like, there will be people that will still spend all of that money, and they will still, you know, whichever their favorite, whatever their favorite game is, they will probably spend that money. But I think that it's it's money-grabbing, and I don't believe that just because you've got a new console or a um, a better console, it's like... I don't know. It's if you if you move if you upgrade your console, then you're being it's almost like you're being penalized for it, and you have to um, pay more to play the games that you've loved for ages. And you know, like a an extra man. I'm thinking about it from a parent point of view. Christmases and birthdays are going to be so expensive. Like for me personally like if i was just to like when willow grows older and she you know she gets into video games because no doubt she will and she wants these video games by the time that she's old enough the the prices could be sitting at like 80 dollars per game you know and i wouldn't feel comfortable just giving willow one game for like a birthday or for christmas i don't want to spoil her but like it's just ridiculous how how much the prices seem to be changing like i remember when buying a new game was like 30. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. See, there's two sides of the coin to this because we've lived this already. If you remember the Nintendo 64 back in the day, some of those cartridges went up to $79.99. And oh, really? That's, and that's the thing because cartridges are expensive technology. And then back then they were very expensive and they continue to be for the Switch. That's why there's like a Switch tax a lot of times on some of these games. They're always more money because of the cartridge, the cost of the cartridge. Um, so we've already lived this. 
But the thing is, is isn't that going to be a disc-based system? Not only I know that there's going to be a digital model, but they're still sticking with the Blu-rays, right? Like mm. it's going to have a 4K Blu-ray player in it, um, which is still disc-based. So I don't completely understand the going up to the 70 bucks. Um, I agree with Addy. Um, you're, you're penalizing people for buying a more expensive, it's going to be a more expensive console and your games are going to be more expensive. Like when we've already had the kind of power like on PC, like, and there's always sales on PC games, like, you know, just wait a while. And then there's always steam sales and things like that. You know, there's green man gaming. There's all the places you can get games on PC. And, you know, it's just like, and I think annualized franchises and things like that too, kind of like what, what is, what does NBA do with so much different every year? I mean, yeah, they update the roster, new players, things like that trades, the players go to different teams. So you want the most up-to-date roster, but why, why, why should you have to pay 10 bucks more for that? You know? And I think like things like game pass and things like that are going to like be even more beneficial now than they were before with like games going up like this and Mm -hmm. things. So Mm -hmm. that's my take. So I have a, I have a few points on that. And uh, first I want to get lady Lucida's thoughts on this to see what she thinks. The price of video games going up to 69.99. I heard about with NBA 2K 21 or well i don't know like would you be okay with paying 70 dollars for your video games if you purchase them on next gen console or do you think that it's not a fair that's a bit of a yikes i think that's a bit of a yikes i mean at least with xbox i know xbox I think they said they're going to be backwards compatible with Xbox Ones and the Series X. So that's cool and all. That's true. Um, Smart delivery. So if you buy it in one place, you get that upgrade on most of most of the games for free. No, no additional cost. Yeah. So. I think that's kind of genius, actually, that Microsoft is going to be implementing that feature for their next gen device devices because of xbox series s to lockhart that we yeah that's been fully revealed yet so i don't know i mean like it sounds like a lot and i'll be honest it kind of is but at the same time at least with because i I don't play on playstation i don't know how anything playstation works i don't know if they have like a similar system of the backwards compatibility or not i know nothing nothing not a so I'm just saying with my experience with Xbox, I, I'm the $10 increase, I guess, to the game prices at first seems a little jarring and it, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know. Basically there's pros and cons of each, I guess. $70 is a lot. So I might not have that many games anymore. But you also have to admit Xbox has the super cool thing called Game Pass where you just pay and then you get a bunch of games. Yep, I said that. I did mention that just a minute ago. Exactly. 
you know, and here's the other side of the coin. Like I, I said, there was two sides of the coin. The other side of the coin is I understand the game development is going up. It's very expensive. And then especially if you have to make 4K textures in a game too, like as well, that's costly. You know, you got to pay, you know, people to to do that. You know, on the new consoles, it's going to be, you know, on the on the ones on the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro, those, some of those games aren't, they're not true 4K. It's checkerboard on PS4 Pro. And then there are some on Xbox One X that are 4K, but they're not running 4K 60. A lot of them like do 4K 30 because you just need a tremendous amount of processing power and also GPU strength to put out 4K 60 like textures and things like that. So and on that point, I do want to give my thoughts on this because I thought about this topic pretty much all day and I read an article today from I want to say it's video game industry news and Apparently, video games have stayed about the same price of $60 for over 10 years. Okay, at AAA games, and I'm not saying every game is like that, but at regular retail price has been $60. The other thing is, price, prices established consumer expectations, which is why publishers do not change that price point even though the the cost to produce the games could increase for them but they don't increase the price of the game based on the fact that they want to set a common price that people can expect the other thing is the point that shadow price has made and that's that video games have become a lot more complicated a lot more costly to produce so it is becoming a lot more difficult for not only game developers, but publishers and just the video game industry as a whole to yeah. stay profitable because it's costing so much to produce games. And that's also why we see microtransactions being pushed. And there are exceptions to that rule. For example, games like Minecraft, not Minecraft, I'm sorry, Fortnite, doing exceptionally well despite having the free-to-play model but they monetize with different avenues which is fine um but overall i do see the point of video games staying at the same price and they have to increase the cost for them to be able to stay profitable for them to be able to continue to make games for the next generation consoles I do have another thought about this, and that's the fact that we don't know how much the next generation consoles are going to cost, right? So what's to say that Microsoft and Sony are charging more for licensing fees on these games to make up for the cost of selling you a cheaper hardware? Because even at a $500 price point, from what it sounds like, the Xbox Series X will cost Microsoft about seven, eight, nine hundred dollars to produce. So they're going to be selling every console at a pretty substantial loss. The way they're 
potentially looking to make up that money is through licensing software subscriptions and that's essentially where they make up that cost until it's almost also too it's, it's like cheaper if, to produce know, the hardware they're using the power of these ssds these ssds are now going to virtually eliminate loading times as they say and things like that so apparently there's a price for that there's a price for you know like having that technology like in your games now you know and that's that could be part of it too as well like having to develop on the ssd and things like that and having more explosive environments having more people having more players and people on the screen and just everything the backgrounds and it could lead to all that that's that's a possibility and this leads me to the next question do you guys think this winter is the right time to increase prices on video games with everything going on in the world with the economy being in the state that it's in uh, with the covid pandemic and everything else happening in the world is this the right time for them to raise the price on next gen games hard no Absolutely. hard no <laughs> that's yeah hard no <laughs> go ahead eddie so shadow price is pretty vocal about that. Addy, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I was I was saying it at the same time, but I think Shadow's a little bit lighter than I am. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that I especially right now. I think we're gonna see a lot of um a lot of games being delayed. I think we're gonna see all of that as well. Um but currently trying to raise the the prices um when the world is currently in shambles is could potentially be a business killing idea. Little anti-consumer you know, too, a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Like I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we saw some, uh, some proper outrage about it when it all starts coming out. And this is what I was talking to Cornholio about today. I'm like, wh- why am I not surprised that 2K was the first ones to announce this? Why, mm. why am I not surprised about that? <laughs> you know, it's just. It's just interesting. That's all. <laughs> and and I mean, I truly believe that if you have a copy of the game for Xbox One, you shouldn't have to pay for it to, to play it again. You, you should be able to play it because you bought it already. You have a copy of the game. Um, and the companies that use that smart technology that allows you to seamlessly play the game regardless of what platform you're on and by the way bungie made a hard commitment to pretty much saying if you have the game on xbox one you can play it on the xbox series x with no cost smart move awesome which i think that's a really really smart move on their part and other companies are on board with this i know the first party studios from microsoft are implementing this functionality um i don't know about blizzard activision what they're doing but i haven't really followed them since they pretty much cut ties with bungie so i think they said it was going to be on the publisher or developer to implement the smart delivery it's up to them if they want to do it microsoft's going to give them the tools and they decide whether they do it or not yeah, and, and I think especially now with the way that our economy is, I think consumers are going to make 
wiser decisions on whether they want to support a company that mm. disables something like smart delivery. Because I think these decisions are going to impact people's buying decisions. And it might not be happening now because we did get stimulus checks. So people had more money to spend. They had more disposable income to go and buy video games, to buy consoles. That's why it's so hard to find them. And also scalpers, that's a whole nother story. But I truly believe if we are to succeed as an industry in the video game space, we really have to re-examine this price increase because while I do think game developers deserve to make more money for the games that they create in order to create better experiences, more immersive games, but I don't think right now is the right time for it. And I think when the next generation consoles are more mature and the developers are able to utilize the full potential of next-gen hardware, that's when I think we can maybe justify the idea of a $70 video game. But I do think while we're creating games for PS4 and Xbox One, that smart delivery should carry you over into the next-gen platform until the games are only made for Xbox Series X, PC, and PS5, and they abandon the last gen, as we know. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be pushback about this. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, when you charge people more for, you know, playing the games that they've been playing for, you know, 10 or more years, that the price has stayed at that, probably even longer, 15 years, you know, $60. Like, that was, that's been the, you know, the price that everybody's expected to pay. So when you're expected to pay more, especially during like the year we've had, you know, it, it can be seen as a little anti-consumer a little bit. And, and I personally don't think that 2K is the right company to release this information, to announce this and to be the first one with NBA, because I think NBA, while I'm not going to take away from the development of NBA titles, I do think the annual sequence of the game releases kind of devalues the game a little bit for me, at least. Because within six months, that game is at probably half the price. And it's, it's going to plummet because the next year, we're going to get a brand new one. So it's like, I don't know, unless you're a huge fan of sports games, it becomes a kind of a hard sell for me because like... NBA 2K20, I think I purchased it for like $3, not even a year after it was released. It was like maybe eight or nine months after the game came oh, out. Oh, it was 2K19. That's, I remember. Was it 2K19? Okay, I'm sorry. It was 2K19. Yeah. And if I paid $60 for a game and then within seven, eight months, they charged $3 for it, while I get it, that's just... It still feels bad, right? And at the end of the day, when the next year's game comes out, you're going to think about that decision that you made and how you regretted your purchase. So I think there is that also that comes into play. Go ahead, Shadow Price. No, I was just saying, unfortunately, that happened with Vanilla Destiny 2. Like, in, you know, it's like the charge 60 at the beginning. And what was it, like $4 at Best Buy? 
at one time, you know, and that was when they were at Activision, you know, so it's a lot different now, you know, um, with them being on the phone, you know, and they've gone to, they went to a free to play model and now that's going to change in the fall with beyond light because a lot of that free to play stuff, actually all of it, I believe is going away. And, you know, on that point, I'm I'm going to say that I don't regret buying Vanilla Destiny 2. I don't regret paying $250 for that collector's edition. Like, I, I don't regret that. And I'm going to tell you why. The reason I don't regret it is because of the experiences that I had during the time that I played it. And if I bought that content, if I bought that game two years later when that content was essentially irrelevant because that's what they did by bringing everybody up to 750 and completely nullifying the usefulness of that old content. I don't know if I would have done that necessarily because I think that content does have a lot of value and it's fun and they could have used it more, you know, that's a whole nother tantrum, but yeah, but for me, it was about the experience of, being in the moment in destiny and that was kind of worth the price you know and if you think about what you would spend on a video game you can go out and spend more money just on a dinner for two right or (laughs) the amount that we would pay for a cable bill you know it's like to me, paying a hundred dollars a month for a cable bill is just kind of crazy because I get a lot more value out of destiny. So if you think about it from that perspective, I don't mind paying whatever it is that Bungie asks for because you know that was no question. The entertainment value you get for the amount of hours that you put in, like, is definitely is worth it. It definitely is. If you're playing that many hours, then that 60 bucks, like you got your money's worth, you know? So, I mean, it's 60. Yeah. And now 70, but yeah. So I don't think it's the right time. I think with all the real world events that's been happening, I think they should reevaluate it maybe next year or the year after next. So so, Addy, you're totally against it, correct? Um, yeah, they shouldn't be raising prices, not at this point in time. Do you think that they would have a little bit more... Um, empathy? Not even empathy, but just smart business choice. Yeah. I definitely think it was a misstep for them to announce this and to make this change right now when it, it's it's not going to benefit their overall bottom line if less people buy the game cyberpunk like 2077 for 49.99 for ps4 or xbox one and get you automatically get that free upgrade once the the consoles come out so you only paid 50 bucks for that game cd project red is the perfect example of a company Mm -hmm. that really does it right and they really get it because one the games that they create are just incredible. Epic. Incredible. Two, they don't make decisions that are anti-consumer, right? I mean, they're, if you get the game from GOG, it doesn't even have any kind of DRM. It just goes to show 
how pro-consumer they are, right? And I'm not saying that every game should release without DRM. You know, obviously there are benefits to having that type of protection because there are people out there who are just going to steal your game. And I don't think that's right either. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm curious. How do you guys think a price increase to $70, how will this impact the overall video games industry? Would we expect a decline in video game purchases? Do you think that most mm -hmm. consumers are going to care? Or do you think that people are just going to pay the price and keep buying the games they've been buying? I think the majority of adults who are playing games that have full-time jobs and stuff will probably still pay. Will, will probably still pay. But my mind is going towards more like families and stuff like it's a hard time to convince like my heart goes out for like the kids and stuff like that like if if you know kid-friendly came games are coming out and they're going to be like 70 dollars it's going to be very hard for you to convince your parents like to to spend 70 dollars yeah. on this one game i think i don't know yeah. I, I feel that a lot of people just suck it up and pay it because, hey, that's how the economy works and that's how business works and stuff. But listen, it's the same thing as anything else. If enough people take a bit of a stand, then they may actually look at reducing it, maybe. But that, that could be the optimist in me. Right. Like I said, I lived this. I When I bought Street Fighter II Turbo Hyper Fighting in 1993, it was $69.99 plus tax. Mm -hmm. And I was only like 14 years old. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, that was a lot of money back in 1993. And then they did the same thing with N64 came out. Some of those games were 79.99, 69.99, you know? So, and that much money, like with inflation is a lot more now. Yeah. Like it's, uh, yeah. you know, so I've lived it. But do I think it's right? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm one of two minds. I think eventually it might be right, but I don't think it's right now. Mm -hmm. It's not right to do it now. Yeah. And that's yeah. where I, that's my final. That's my feeling also. I don't think it's the right time to do it right this moment. Um, I think they should wait if they're going to do it. Um, but I also think, you know, these things will impact people's buying decisions, right? Because to Addy's point, there are kids out there who enjoy video games and who don't really have the disposable income to spend on so many games. So to now have to pay $70, even if you're getting the game on sale, a $70 game is still going to be more expensive, even if it's discounted. Right. So that just means less money to spend on video games overall. So I think that for the average consumer, they might not buy as many games over the course of a year, you know, or may not spend the money on whatever season pass or DLC that would come out in mm -hmm. the game. Now, Destiny, I think, is a little bit different because in Destiny, while, I mean, if you think about it, we're kind of paying $70 right now, right? Like, how much was that deluxe edition? It was 70 bucks, mm -hmm. right? And 
they're pricing it into how much they have to charge in order to balance the books. And it's hard for me because I'm not there. I don't know how much they're spending on video games. So we can only speculate. We don't know for sure. We don't have those numbers. So it could very well be that they have to raise the prices in order to make it sustainable, in order to keep the doors open. And if that's the case, I would rather have video games than not have video games. And if it means paying $10 more, we're going to adjust to it. You know, it's it's going to become a norm within X number of years where, you know, that's what we expect to pay. Just like as an example, um, years ago with your smartphone, right? You would pay over $100 a month for your smartphone bill. And wireless carriers, they got smart. They decided, you know what? We're not going to give you that free smartphone that you would get every year. And we're just going to make that phone plan cheaper, right? And it's, it's kind of like the opposite here where they have to raise the price slightly. But because they haven't done so in so many years where the price has maintained at $60 despite inflation, I kind of expected it at some point. And I almost think that they were waiting for the appropriate time. And next-gen consoles might be that reason for them to justify increasing that price point. Yeah, I mean, you're getting those extras with, you know, if you get the deluxe edition of Beyond Light, not only are you getting, you're getting, you know, Beyond Light, you're getting all the seasons too. And you're getting that, those extra little uh, in-game, like the Stranger's Rifle and what, the Sparrow for the Stranger and uh, a few other things. What is like an emote and things like that. Um, So I can see... You know, it's nice that Bungie gave you those like those little extras. And, you know, actually, Corn, you know this too. You can get the game for 15% off right now on Green Man Gaming if you use the code light. And we have a link actually on our Twitch because we have a some kind of a program with Green Man Gaming. I don't know if it's officially a sponsorship because I haven't seen anything from them. But, um, <laughs> we do have an affiliate program with Green Man Gaming, so if you do want to pick up a copy of the new game Beyond Light, you can pick it up for $59.49 if you use the coupon code LIGHT. And let me see if I can find a link. Indeed. See, we're already saving people money. We're, we're, we're saving bucking- people money. We're bucking that $70 trend <laughs> already. We're squashing it. Okay, so we are official ambassadors of Green Man Gaming. Something I would definitely buy for $70 would be like a Gallahorn. A Gallahorn? <laughs> you know what? I almost bought a real-life Gallahorn. It was a toy. It was plastic, yeah, yeah. but it was like 80 bucks. I thought about getting it, but then I thought... You had it too. You were gonna, you were gonna purchase that. I remember. <laughs> I had it in my hands and everything. It was before COVID, so it wasn't like wandering around during COVID. By the way, I will share something with you all. I got tested for COVID, and the results came back, and it's negative, so I don't have COVID. Yay. And I'm in Florida, so I'm like in the oh, hot spot. So it's, yeah. been, it's been interesting to say the least. 
but oh, uh, it, it's funny because the, the next county over now has a mandatory you have to wear a mask i don't know what you would call that a mandatory i don't know shadow price help me out here mandatory wear your fucking mask <laughs> excuse the there french you go i like it <laughs> i'll take that that's oh, a good I'm one sorry. I've been wondering whether I can swear on the show or not, because like I always get super nervous about going. Oh, you can swear. You can swear in this. Oh, it's... you no, you can swear. I don't. I like swearing. That's fine. It's it's like it's good we're for not us. always professional. I, I I like so my interest is right. So say like a lot of obviously a lot of stuff stopped coming in from China and stuff like that, right? Uh, especially in the UK. So there's like a lot of things that that people were like stocking up on, okay? And you guys are gonna laugh, but, but one of the things that I heard that was getting stocked up on um, was Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> like the the panic buying things is insane as well. Since you were talking about COVID and stuff like that, I just I like so many panic buying is insane like how long did you did you guys have to go before you you have to like hunt for paper paper yeah i i have to ask do you buy the viagra with the face masks to go with it or or how how does that (laughs) yeah absolutely like i'm more thinking like you'd have to get you'd have to have the face masks on before you bought it i don't know i mean i I've never bought but Viagra. Have you guys? <laughs> You're like in your forties, right? Have you ever? <laughs> oh, geez. So yeah, the toilet paper. Yeah, really <laughs> fun episode. It took yeah, a, really fun. It took a few weeks to get the toilet paper. Uh, so and yeah, it was the same. Was yeah, I had to make that those two rolls last. <laughs> Yes, I could. <laughs> so I've a I've a thing about toilet paper. You know, I did not mean to hoard toilet paper in any way. Uh-huh. But Uh-oh, here. Walmart Walmart had it available, and for me to not get charged shipping, which I've been spoiled. Thanks Amazon Prime. And I had to buy thirty five dollars worth of toilet paper. Oh, nice. So I am- now, and I live by myself. I live with my little dog, who's like ten pounds. <laughs> You're now, for like a year now, are you? <laughs> I have like 90 rolls of toilet paper, something insane. I am ready for the hurricane season. I'm ready for the Ebola virus. I'm ready for the next 10 years. I'm I'm ready to go. So, like to be fair, um I didn't have a massive thing about uh toilet paper is I use I use a lot of wet wipes and um because obviously my daughter is is four and stuff like that, so we haven't quite uh, we haven't quite got to the stage of making sure, um, you know, that she cleans properly. And, and like wet wipes are like super handy to have to be able to like wash her face. Like you know, she's got a little bit of you know jam or something like that on her face. It's much easier like instead of having to like go and wipe, go to the sink, fill the sink, wipe her face, dry her face. Wet wipes are just so handy. And that's also, so that's kind of not had us go through as much toilet paper. And to be fair, it's just me and my daughter. So it's not like we haven't been going through the mounds of, of toilet paper. 
I hear it's next level. It's 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 the way to go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. White wipes are like one of the be- best inventions on this earth, especially with children. Like, I can't. <laughs> not to get. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not to get like too graphic, but let me tell you, right? If there is a time, if you need to really quickly clean up your child because of an accident, wet wipes are a godsend instead of like uh, toilet paper, because you know. There's a difference between, you know, making sure they're really clean and just getting most of it away, if that makes sense. I have four kids, so I, I know exactly what I mean. Then, yeah, kids are yeah. Kids are fun. Well, I don't mean to be that yeah. guy, but but how does it flush? Does it flush well? Does it, is like, it septic safe? So there's, there, mm-hmm. there are some, some, uh, brands that can be flushable it's mostly they're actually like more like wet tissue more than wet um than actual fabric so most wipes that you come across are are like fabric um but you do get these brands that are basically just wet tissue paper and it tears so like the difference between uh huggies huggies is a brand and out of wipes over the over here i don't know if you have them over there but you have huggies and you have pampers Pampers is very much a fabric, and Huggies is very much more like a tissue kind of um, texture. So, like, some of them are flushable, but some of them really are not. And the next time that um, um, the, 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 you can either really block your toilet or, or some of them are flushable. I think it's more the toddler-based ones that are more flushable than, than baby. So... I went on a really Gee, big the content. Toddlers get the better stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the, the they're they're also okay. um yeah, it's just trying to <laughs> just trying to like cause I, I obviously I'm very uncertain about what um uncertain like what kind of uh brands you have over there. But it's 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 like super nutty. Um, much about the same the same stuff. I mean, I don't really buy diapers or wipes. Joe <laughs> Price used to buy those. He has like four kids, right? Yeah, yeah. We used to. Yeah, we we used to have tons of wipes and diapers, and you know, yeah. I mean, they are very beneficial in cleaning up the mess. Yeah. So I suppose. Yeah. As as technically first world countries, we're we're super lucky. You know, we panic about running out of toilet paper, but other people, you know, they worry about they don't have toilet paper. Like they could be wiping with their hands for goodness sake and like worrying about running out of food. You know what I mean? So we're we're super lucky about not having to worry as much like being able to feed our families. I mean yeah. and it's like the little things that we just don't always necessarily think about or stop and appreciate like even like i would wake up in the morning and i would just have some coffee and check out the lake view because it's so freaking awesome and i just feel grateful to be in a beautiful place and to have awesome coffee and just appreciate the little things that we just normally don't really stop and think Mm, absolutely and that's how we feel that people are going to take towards $70 of video games. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what we think about video games being so expensive and being more expensive this fall. I think it's, yeah. I was just going to say, like, I think, 
in the greater scheme of things, worrying about um, worrying about prices, like prices going up, is really really shitty. Like it is really shitty, especially in this day and age. But you know, I think we're super lucky to be able to afford to be able to worry about that kind of thing or or discuss about that kind of thing, rather than worried about where the next meal is going to come from. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally, and I, I'm so grateful. I've been getting meals from HelloFresh, and no, I'm not sponsored. Mm-hmm. Um, great because I I don't have to go to the store to get the meals that I need in order to just have the energy to work and get by. And uh, I'm very grateful for that for having that service where like I don't even have to go to the store. They literally ship a box out to me and. It's great, great stuff, and I've been learning how to cook too. Which I'm Shadow Price knows me for a really long time, so he knows that I am probably the worst cook. And for the last like eight, nine days, I've just been cooking every day because I didn't really want to go out to eat and I didn't really want to go to the store mm-hmm. to buy groceries. So, in your situation, it's very smart for sure. Yeah, especially being in Florida. I mean, the cases are going bonkers Mm -hmm. now i have a little bit of a conspiracy about this whole 70 dollar video game thing do you guys think it's possible that we're getting these potential price increases because of the hardware potentially being subsidized subsidized hmm in what I mean by subsidized is that they will lower the cost of the console, but the way they make their money is through higher licensing fees. So essentially, for every game that's sold with their logo, they have to get paid a specific dollar amount. It's an interesting thought, but we still don't know what the price of the consoles are going to be. We don't. Yet. You know, we can only go by rumors of what we heard from people like Jeff Grubb from VentureBeat and, you know, things like that. You know, it's like, you know, we we still don't know and nobody else knows except obviously the manufacturers. Hopefully we're going to find that out really soon. I mean, the Xbox event is happening, I think, July 21st to 27th or 26th. And oh, wow. yeah, it's going to be like a like a real life E3, like in your living room. You're going to be able to play like demos like on your Xbox One family of consoles. Games that aren't even out yet that are going to be like in, you know, developmental, like still status. So it's, um, but yeah, we don't know what the price of the consoles are going to be. I have an idea of what they're going to be. I think in the 500 range. I think so too, 500. Yeah. 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 I, I think, think it's going to be the Xbox Series X. I think for the Xbox Series S, the Lockhart, it's either going to be two ninety nine or two fifty. That's what I think too. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what they're going to go with, and it's going to be interesting because you know when we built our computers, I never imagined that we would get home consoles that can play games in sixty frames and four K. Like, my graphics card cost about $600 alone 
just to be able to run the game in the way that I'm able to. So I'm I'm kind of excited about that. And also, I'm excited to play some of the old Halo games. I mean, even though we can play the Halo games on PC now, which, uh, by the way, Master Chief Collection is on sale right now on Steam, if anyone's interested. I'm thinking about picking it up, even though I have Game Pass. It would be pretty neat to own all of the games on PC. Do you know what? I was just thinking there. My brain went on a on a on a massive tangent. It'd be really really funny if we got a DLC for for Destiny, right? And it and kind of kind of or even like a DLC for 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 Halo, right? And you do you remember playing Halo and we were going? I think we were walking past like some storefronts and stuff like that. And there was actually a there was actually a, a Halo poster. Or not Halo, like a Destiny kind of poster style thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so my thought there, uh, sorry, this was really out of the blue because you mentioned Halo, and I've been thinking about it <laughs> recently. Was um, how funny would it be? Like in, in Halo Five, there would be like another another. Obviously, I don't think it would happen because it's three for three that's doing it. But like, imagine we're just walking past the storefront and it just says like Cade's Ramen Shop. Like, I'm so sorry that just ran. My brain works in very, very strange ways, and I just thought that would be a really cool kind of DLC, not like a like a little Easter egg or something like that to happen huh? in in Halo. I'm sorry, there was this there, there was this whole thing about Halo, like potentially being linked to the Destiny universe. So you know, my brain was just like, "Hey, that'd be really cool." And now I'm just like, "Brain, why why are you like this? Everyone's gonna think that you're a weirdo." So, right, because it was Reach, if I'm not mistaken, that had that poster I for Destiny. So, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, they were working on it at the time where Reach was coming out, mm-hmm. or they were just about to start development on it, I believe. You know, I have a little story. When when I first started playing Halo, the way that I started playing Halo was when me and Shadow Price were roommates. I want to <laughs> say I was still in college at the time. Or you were just finishing. Or just finishing college. And yeah. um, Halo Reach was coming out. And I remember we went to Walmart together and we picked up the game. And we got like this poster in the game. And it was like this whole cool experience. And we were literally playing the game like next next door to each other. And oh, it was yeah awesome experience and it was kind of my first experience really really enjoying that pvp gameplay and to me i thought it was so cool we were playing was it king of the hill oh probably love that (laughs) yeah yeah oh man that was so much fun and every time i got the energy sword oh man i wrecked with it it was so much fun energy sword was amazing (laughs) it was a great time and then we had firefights, and holy crap! Oh my god, I love we firefights. We spent hours doing firefights, and yeah. it was just this ultimate oh. end game experience. And all I thought to myself was like, "Fuck, I am so excited for what Bungie is doing with this, and I'm so excited to see what they really come out with next." And then when I heard about the raids in the game coming out, and before we even knew what the raids were, before we knew anything. I remember IGN did some type of coverage where 
they talked about the raids like taking four to six hours to complete and we were just talking about it like anticipating the game to come out and wondering like how that's going to play out how we're going to do these raids and these complex activities it's amazing to see what destiny has grown into like we've had some fucking amazing raids that's very profound you know that the raids were what really sold me not not only was it the gunplay and things like that but the raids like never not experiencing anything like that in like a game before you know so i mean that was really awesome like you know knowing that this is what bungie was capable of you know and i'd like to see like a firefight mode come back come into destiny you know something similar to that you know um i wouldn't know what they would call it but it would be cool to see something to that scale coming to destiny yeah and you know on on that point i don't know about you guys but for me i really wish they used more of the environment that was built in the game to elevate the seasons that we're playing for example instead of leaving the old raids behind and making scourge of the past and last wish kind of useless unless you're trying to get a specific weapon from that activity but it's still at a lower light level if they bring everything up with the game as far as the end game content i think it gives us more of a reason to go back to those activities and not only that but it gives bungie the opportunity to create new loot whether it be every season or if they can't do it every season. And I understand it's a lot for them to just create a new variation of something every single season. But even if it's just once a year, they uh, refresh the um, drops from the raids and, and use those raids. And I know the game is changing to where the Leviathan is completely going away. And I'm curious what you guys think about that as well, because that's a pretty big destination just completely being removed from the game. That's like what three, four raids alone. It's at least, yeah, it's four because Leviathan, Spire stars, eater worlds and uh crown of sorrow. These. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, I still have to do my crown of ease because I want to get that shadow title. You know what's interesting? I I kind of want to see when Cyberpunk comes out, like, later this year. I want to see what kind of... Like, we already know it's going to be a big world, right? Like, that game is going to be huge. Like, they said that the open world is not going to be as the Witcher big as The Witcher 3, but it's going to be pretty large. And it's going to be a first-person shooter. So it's going to be, like, one of the first times we're really going to see a first-person shooter, like really have a large world and what is the loot system going to be like in that game you know obviously it's going to be more in the storytelling angle and you know there's going to be a lot of story in the game like that but eventually that's what i would like to see destiny get to you know what i'm saying a bigger world with more story huh do you think it's possible am i just i'm just i know i'm speaking out loud here but 
I mean, I know it's something that they would have to like develop. It would take a while to develop something like that. But do we think Europa is going to be bigger than some of the other locations that we've that we're currently going to now? Well, here's the thing. I think Europa is going to be a bigger location just based on the fact that we didn't get anything new last year. Right? If you think about it, Shadowkeep wasn't really a whole lot of new stuff. They did recreate the assets for you know the moon and and yes, that took a ton of effort. I'm not devaluing that but it wasn't a new destination and i think they've been working on europa for more than just one year Two years, probably for a couple of years yeah and i think it's going to be more flushed out and i think with the amount of what they're removing from the game they have to create something substantial to allow for us to have that foundation. And they're also giving us the Cosmodrome back, too. So The Cosmodrome is coming back, but that's going to be a slow process. We're not going to get everything all Right in the full Cosmodrome, right, in the beginning. It's not going to be the full Cosmodrome. I mean, and it's exciting, because you know what? I'm going to go and shoot the loot cave. I hope they bring that back. They better. But it would just be nice if Europa is going to be a big destination, you know? Something that we haven't experienced in a, lo- a long time, you know. Oh, didn't they also say that the new raid is going to be on Europa as well? Yeah, yes, the dark the deep new stone raid crypt is going to be on yeah. Europa. Yeah, there's the deep people. stone crypt. Exciting. Yes. Yeah. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really interesting. Um, I'm so excited to play this fall, and it, I'm like a kid in the candy store. I'm getting my collector's edition. I'm getting my Exo Stranger statue. I got my game pre-ordered. I'm I'm good to go. I'm ready. I'm so excited. Guys, you know what I'm really excited about also? The raid jacket. We're going to get a raid jacket. We know that. It's going to be going for that day one because I know I will. 100%. I'm going to be going. Might have to. Might have to again. Might have to. Yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent going for it this time around. In fact, I'm kind of saving my vacation time for the raid if I have to take time off. But I'm, dude, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm so excited. And um, interestingly, I, I got the code for the raid jacket, but I couldn't get it in time. By the time, like, I, I tried to get the code on the site but it didn't work and then the next day it was expired so unfortunately i did not get a chance to get that road jacket but next time oh man i'm doing it i'm gonna get my bread eddie have did you get a raid jacket yeah i I got a a day one completion on a crown of sorrows so how was it i streamed for 29 hours straight what 29 hours yeah um so i started my day relatively early and then i went live as soon as the reset hit and then i did not stop until 25 to midnight the next day um because i wanted that clear and i was the i was part of the 97th team to finish it 
Dude, I know for that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Twenty. Nice. Congratulations. That's dedication right there. Shadow Price, we need that type of dedication, bro. <laughs> we need that. GG. That was the, the the raid that went live at like what seven p.m. Eastern? Like six, I think. Uh, yeah, it was six hours after reset hit. So yeah. it was six hours of straight grinding, and then um, just after that, it was I spent so long in that phase one boss room. It was insane. Um, like I got my clear twenty five minutes before the cutoff what oh that's yeah. so cool yeah so and my best friend garfi because <laughs> obviously all the world first raiders you know you, they get the 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 um wrestling wrestling the belt, belt, yeah. The belt yeah the championship belt my best friend bought uh, just a, a plain black belt took a gold pen over it and wrote robot Ali, <laughs> world's 97th clear crown of sorrow brilliant <laughs> I, it was one of the best things that's happened. But like, yeah, it was, I definitely would be doing that again in a hurry, but it was probably one of, so up till that point, it was probably one of the best things that I could have done in Destiny. But uh, thanks to various people that I've played with, I've two-manned nearly every boss in Destiny that you can two-man. The, probably the hardest one to do was Insurrection Prime. And I spent... 18 hours with my friend Java. Collectively, it wasn't like in one go, but I spent about 18 hours two manning uh Insurrection Prime. That was uh Wow. Like I've got I've got various various achievements, like challenges that I've set myself. Um and you know, one thing that I haven't done yet is solo Argos, which I want to do before it gets sunset, well before it gets vaulted. Um I really want to. That would be quite the achievement. Yeah, for sure. It's still possible. Like I know that it's it's been done. Um, yeah, it's been done. It is yep. like it, it's still possible. It's actually probably more doable right now than it would have been previous season because of oppressive darkness. Um, Glad done it, right? Hasn't Glad done it? I think Chevy. Oh, Chevy, Chevy did. Okay. Glad not to. Chevy, Vlad mm-hmm. I, I, has probably one, uh, like, soloed it, but I know Chevy was the world's first solo. But there, Chevy was mentioning that someone that he knows, Boop, has soloed it a lot more than he has and has done it a various set, various different ways with various different, uh, with all three classes. Um, yeah, I definitely think that... Um, that's definitely something I want to try, and I want to two-man Galran before that goes away too. But I think those are the. I think that's the only two aside from Garden, and I don't believe that Garden can be two-manned anymore. Uh, so it's definitely something that I need to need to have a look into. But there's a, you know, oh, and Solo Flawless Prophecy is the other thing that I want to do before that goes away. So you know, it's going to be a busy season, but. Um, I think it's uh, the it, there's nothing quite like the antip- anticipation of a new raid, um, but this is something that I've been really really vocal on is that I don't think a raid should be released like three days after the start of a new season. I think there should be a couple of weeks between seasons, uh, between there should be like a week, two weeks, 
like a week and a half or so, you know, so like not the, the first weekend, but the weekend following the raid releases. Uh, so it gives everyone like enough chance to really like go through the story and soak up the story and soak up everything that's going on, let them try out different weapons and stuff. Um, but, you know, between like expansion launch and then raid launching, because I think too many people rush through all of the, the content to get to leveling so fast that I don't think we really get to appreciate it. I agree with that, you know, and they can do the contest modifier like anyway, mm -hmm. you know, they'll be able to implement that. So I also think that uh, artifact level should not be a factor in it. I think that starting a week and a half after after the, the after the um, thing launches, everyone would probably have reached at least the required level to get into the first encounter, right? And everyone has the contest modifier on anyway. So they all start on equal playing field. And the only thing that is going to stop, you know, it could be some random team. That, like, I think it was a random team that got world's first AOW. Um, I think it puts everyone on even footing. And the only thing standing between you and world's first is communication with your team and skill which is what a world's first race should be. It shouldn't be um, how many bounties did you stack up before the end of the previous season? I hope they get rid of that for the fall. Same. I'm just going to say that right now. Mm -hmm. Just let that die in a fire, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a few things that I have to finish up this season for the sun setting. I really want to get my shadow title. Because I think I have like one more menagerie that I have to do flawlessly, and then I have to do the raid, and that's it. And I I feel like I've played that season a ton, so I do want to get that shadow title before it ends. I'm planning on pushing. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are um, still looking for their shadow titles and stuff like that. So there's a lot of crown of ease and everything. That would be fun. I still remember when we first got into the Galran room mm -hmm. and it's like, everybody needed a recluse. And I was like, all right, I'll get my recluse out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Times. But that was a pretty fun raid. I wish the drops were better. I wish the rewards were a little bit more enticing. But I do think that it was a really fun raid. And I know a lot of people say that the first encounter is too long, but I think it was fun. I don't think it was overly too bad i think flawlesses are like some of the flawless stuff is some of the most challenging content that you can do like yeah i agree literally when i was at that last part and when i got my menageries done they were tough they weren't easy like they are now like you really had to put up a heroic effort and then it's just like one freaking boomer or one fucking ogre that just ruins your day and then you die and you have to do it all over again. Spent hours, hours in the menagerie. Just rinse and repeat. Somebody died right out the boss. But it definitely developed a lot of uh, nerves during that time. The fall is... <laughs> yeah, no, I, like, I've got a really funny story about uh, 
flawless um, menagerie, actually. So the first flawless menagerie boss was obviously Hasapiko, the the big uh, the big Minotaur. Uh, I believe that's his name. Is that his name? Yeah, because the the ogre begins with an I. Yeah. Uh, and I can't even remember what the big the big uh the big uh, harpy yeah it's a harpy. guy um but so me and my best friend decided that we were gonna uh that we really really needed to um we wanted to get the flawless uh menagerie like the first week that it came out right so we're like okay okay we're gonna go do this we're gonna do this and we ended up in the lfg oh no um, you know, and we we started at 3 p.m. Now, at that time, reset was at 5 p.m. So we started at 3 p.m. And it just kept failing and failing and failing. And we had several people cycle out. And so I was putting more posts in LFG, looking for one, looking for two. And we had one final crack at it. Right? It was like 20 to... 20 to, to about 10, no, it was about quarter, quarter to five, quarter to five when we set, 15 minutes before we set. Um, and we're like, okay, this is, this has got to be our last run. And like, we were all sitting in voice chat and like, oh, you know, and these guys were really, really good. They were like such good banter. It was probably one of the best experiences in LFG that I had this final team, right? Um, and I've generally, um, like Messiah is saying in chat, LFG isn't too bad a place. You do get the bad apples, but like if you report it, it's very quickly taken care of. Um, but yeah, no, I <laughs> um, five minutes to reset. We get the um, we get the kill. We get it flawless, and we all just start freaking out because we're like. You know, we caught it so close, and one guy was like, even if we had failed it, I would have suggested we go straight back in. And it was just, it's the, the joy, I think. And that was like, it was a little bit less stressful than like flawless rates, because it's something that you can run in like 15 to 20 minutes at that time, anyway. Um, maybe closer to half an hour, because we were closer to that light level. But it, like, there's been so many close calls. Uh, like earlier, <laughs> earlier today. Okay, so I have to I have to play a Titan for five months because we raised a certain amount for Black Lives Matter, which was awesome. Uh, that we raised that much money, but also it's really shitty because I have to play a Titan for five months. Now, uh, <laughs> so I was on Thundercrash in Crown, actually, of all rates, <laughs> and I can't, I can't. I'm so sad that it's not saved my vod for this because this would have been spectacular. Um, I had buff. They did not have buff. The crystal was about to pop, and so I did the one thing that was that came to mind. I popped thunder crash. Oh no! <laughs> I popped thunder crash. <laughs> I went slamming into the like the crystal was on the other side of the of the like I was on the stairs and it was on purple, so like. It was pretty far away. Actually, no, I lie. I was actually at the, the orb for stairs, which is in like the far corner. So you, I couldn't have been any further away. 
pop my super. My friend War Cannibal was going up into it to shoot it, and I hit it. And we all... It came up with the... the, the um, your light's fading. But then everyone got revived, and we continued on as usual, because we actually managed to save the crystal, get it shot, and got straight back in. Like, it was literally... It was... Some of the funniest things can happen in Destiny. It was easily, like, the best moment on a Titan that I've had. And that could have happened on any other character. Sorry, that that went in a really tangent, but we were talking about crowd and then we were talking about achievements and stuff like that, and, and you know, all the kind of fun stuff that can happen. That just, that's just really fresh in my mind, because that happened tonight. It was great. But, like, I don't know. What class is guys Actually, you know, we we actually had the founder of the LFG community um, on the show last year. Um, his name is Welfare, and actually, I, I believe that episode we probably had. Oh my god, I think we had two hundred people on stream. Mm-hmm. No moderation, no night botch, nothing. Oh. I, I had no idea. I just didn't know. I didn't know because, like, you know, I. Set up Twitch stream about after 25 episodes, and we were just an audio podcast, so we didn't really think about, you know, Twitch as much until uh, because we had some bad apples come into the stream, and they started saying some things, and I was just trying to figure out, like, what, what to do, because I had no idea... So I'm like scrambling to try to install Nightbot on the channel as I'm doing the show. And I finally get it installed after about 15 minutes. And then instead of moderating this, the user who was being bad, I promote this person to mod. So I'm like scrambling to figure out how to undo this mess. After about 20 minutes, um, I got some help. Uh, Chaotic ZX, he was really awesome. He actually stepped up. He sent me a private message, and he was like, hey, can you make me a mod so I can help? Because he knew what he was doing. I had no idea at all. I was totally clueless. But it was a really interesting experience. And LFG, it's been a place that, you know, sometimes you get a mixed bag, but I think overall I've made some really great friends through lfg right mm-hmm. and um it is a resource that we can use whenever you you know need to find people to play with i'm sure addy you probably don't have to use lfg because you know you're kind of a big deal oh i'm so, I'm, I'm really really um, not like um i actually <laughs> speaking of lfg uh one member of my community um well, he's a member of the Destiny community, but he comes in and he says hi and he hangs out and we play together. His name is, uh, I am Horribad. And I met him through LFG. And we played a few games. Uh, I think we did a couple of raids or something like that. And then that was it. We went our own ways. And then about a about last, last year, I think. I think last year. Or no, it might have been this year. I think it might be, I don't know. 2020 has gone on for fucking ever. Uh, he came in at my stream and he's like, we played together on lfg and i'm like you're right and i hadn't even told him that i was a streamer at that point like when when we were playing together i don't think we i don't think i'd mentioned anything about streaming and it was really really fun 
um, just being able to connect with someone that I've played with before. Um, but like, you'd be surprised like how how much I rely on. So there's an awful lot um, behind. So I would technically what you would call a service streamer. I help people do the things that they they want to do in the game that they haven't been able to do before. Uh, like they can't get a fire team, or there's something that they really want to, you know, they want to do a flawless or something like that. Like a lot of a lot of credit goes to the streamer, but really the most of the credit should really go to the streamers' ringers. And ringers are a huge, huge important part that I think don't get talked about enough with service streamers. You know, these are the people that will sacrifice their own time. They're not they're not in it for anything aside from helping out. You know, and they're there to to help you help people through raids. Like I have most of my mod team are my ringers, to be fair. Um, but I have quite a few members of the community that have joined in and they've raided with me quite a few times. And you know, they're at the stage where I know that they know what they're doing and I can trust that if I have a double version run, then I can trust them with one of them. You know, it's it's super important that if you're a service streamer to have those people that um, know spe- like specifically how you personally run things because there there is a lot of server streamers and they all run things differently. Um, but I have particular ways of say running garden, and every single one of my ringers knows exactly how I run garden, and I know that if I had if I had three ringers and three virgins, like if I had me and two ringers and three virgins the raid would probably still get done just as easily because these guys know how I run things and also they, they're just really good at the game. Um, there's an awful lot behind uh, behind a streamer. You know, you've got your mod team, you've got the community, you've got the people that will be there and play with you no matter what. Um, so, but, you know, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say I'm a big deal. I would say that I'm just someone that's got their own little corner that helps a lot and is generally known around the community because like I'm a I'm a fucking rash. You can't get rid of me. Like <laughs> Anubis on Twitter, um, when I had retweeted that I was gonna be on here, he was like, You're just not off my timeline. Could you not? <laughs> kind of thing. And I'm just like, I'm just like a rash. Like, I'll go into um I'll just go like I've recently become very good at it. I, I used to be terrible for this. I used to stick with um, just a certain amount of people, cert, you know, stick in their streams. But I think partially because I've opened my opened my net and kind of like gone to different streams that I've never really gone to before, it's really helped my growth because you can't be too scared to reach out to new people and go play with people if you want to grow. Um, and you've got, I think I actually touched on this recently. I was, I think I was speaking, I can't remember who I was speaking to, but I was also saying that a lot of people, when you first become a streamer and you're dedicated to one game, you don't really want to play it too much off of stream. You want to, you know, you want to stream it and stuff. But I think uh, it's really important to remember that you can you can play with other people, you can play with other streamers without having to stream the game yourself. And that's not anything that I really had an issue with, but 
I've I've seen it and I've experienced some. They feel like they need to stream whenever they're playing, and that can actually hurt you more than harm you. Uh, that can actually hurt you more than it can help you. I went on a. I'm I'm really bad for tangents. I know, but like, it's. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's really important, like as a as a streamer, and to help with growth, is that you have a very strict schedule. I mean, I'm one to say that I'm always starting late or early, or uh, <laughs> I'm, I think I think the day that I'll be on time for stream is the day they'll be like, "Who the fuck are you? And what have you done with Addy?" Because I'm never on time, but like I generally have a have a a, a specific time that I'll be starting. Um, treat this is actually advice that i got from james and it's basically uh this is how you do you do um treat twitch as if you would like television you know these people know that oh this person is going to be on at this time i get to watch it it's like you know when you're a kid right how many times were you excited to sit down in front of the tv at a specific time because your favorite show was on you know, like that was me for the like mornings. I knew at nine o'clock, uh, Dick and Dom and the Bungalow would be on on Saturday mornings. Or you know, I get to I would get to watch Doctor Who at like seven p.m. You know, if you have consistent times that you are starting, people are going to start falling into that. They're going to be ready like ten minutes if they're if they're part of your community and they're, you know, they're a huge supporter of yours and they know like ten minutes before start time to be in chat, to get ready, to load up that screen, because, you know, soon they're going to go live and you're going to be able to have fun and everything like that. Schedules are a lot more important than people give it credit for. That's very well said. Yeah, absolutely. And I think consistency is key. Oh, Especially as a content creator, because if you're consistent, then people know when to expect your content and they will appreciate you more for it. So and that's something we're striving to keep as well in terms of editing the podcast and getting it out. So definitely. So Guardians, I think uh, we can uh, move on to the final segment of the evening, and we'll talk about this week at Bungie. It's out. Shadow Price, he's still awake? Yep. Okay, Jack. Mike, Jack, he's awake. That's great. <laughs> um, so we are going to talk about this week at Bungie, and we have a few things that were announced just earlier today, a few hours ago, when we started podcasting. And this week we got the announcement about Iron Banner. As we know, we have Iron Banner going on right now. We have some uh, themed Iron Banner weapons that we can acquire. The Forward Path and Fool's Remedy. With some uh, random rolls that are new to the game this uh, time around. Now, um, Addy or Shadow Price, have you guys gotten any cool weapons from Iron Banner this, uh, this week? I've got a, a really sweet dynamic sway reduction, um, an iron grip forward path 
it's shreds in PvP. Pretty nice. 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 Very nice. Yeah, I still have to play. I have not been able to play this week. I've been pretty busy with work and getting uh, reports finished up for clients, so I didn't really have as much time to devote to video games um, as I would like. But I don't have work tomorrow, so you know what that means. I'm going to be playing some Iron Banner tonight, so I'm pretty excited. And Shadow Price, you played a little bit of Iron Banner too uh, earlier this week, right? Yeah, just last night I played a little bit just to get the the auto rifle and the sidearm, <clears throat> and no good really, no real good rolls on him yet. But you know, I hear there are some really good ones out there, just like Addy said, the dynamics it's weight reduction one. That that perk really got a buff, it seemed like recently. And there's some other ones like to look out for, like Pulse Monitor and Eye of the Storm and things like that. I think I have one with Swashbuckler and like Hipfire Grip. Kind of weird combo, but I haven't really tested it out yet, though. So it might be good. We'll, we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Bungie did also note they made some changes to the seasonal quest where it's now offering to make returning weapons a bit more accessible. If you haven't already, stop by Lord Salad Saladin Salad Bar. <laughs> Lord Salad Bar. Uh, stop by Lord Saladin in the tower to kick off your seasonal quest. Make sure to grab your four weekly bounties to earn pinnacle gear as you play the game. There are also enhanced armor mods that have a chance of dropping upon the match completion. That's pretty cool. Enhanced armor mods. I've I think you get them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah. You get them for token slamming too, I think, as well. Yeah, you do. So. You do. I got enhanced fusion light r- rifle or something like that earlier. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That now, it's important that the mods become a lot more accessible. Like, instead of just... I want to feel like I, I can earn these things as well as not have to spend all of my currency just trying to get, like, a particular mod. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they definitely can make it a little bit more accessible. Now, one thing that I did notice, I want to say it was during a strike, but after we finished, I actually got a uh, a mod to drop at the end of the match. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they continue the armor mod system going into this fall. I was going to say, I need them to to make it so that I can put Taken Fallen and like I want all of these mods to just be able to put in a one slot. I am tired of having to juggle like three different sets for three different armaments and invigorations and shielding and it's so annoying. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can definitely make it a little bit more user friendly. I feel like mm. so that it's easier to manage and just kind of, you know, use it across all your characters. Because that's the one thing that kind of I have to agree with Addy on on this one. Now, we did also learn about a few other things, and I'm sure Addy knows all about this one. The next 
thing that Bungie talked about during this week at Bungie was sub training that took place. <laughs> and Addie, do you want to explain what sub training is, or I should say the gifted subs bounty? So that was just released. Bungie have um, really embraced the live stream in ways and have offered a bounty for someone to earn a shader, an emblem, and some enhancement cores and experience. I think it's like 12,000 experience when you gift two subs to a streamer that is actively playing Destiny 2. Um, I... Um... I was actually, I don't stream on Tuesdays, so I was off when this first launched, but I've definitely become accustomed to it the past little bit. Um, from what I've seen in the TWAB, they're going to continue doing this. There's no end. Um, there's no end to, the, like, there's no set end to the, to the bounty. Um, I think it's really cool that Bungie are encouraging people to support their... Uh, the content creators that effectively can sometimes really help towards the health of the game and encourage other people to play and everything like that. Um, however, I also, the Bungie are encouraging people to, to pay Twitch too, which I'm not entirely sure how I feel about, but that's, that's just, that's just a, a whole different kettle of fish. Um, but I really, um, I think it's a really cool, really interactive way of being able to show some kind of support to your favorite streamers and um, also get more involved with the, the the Destiny 2 community on Twitch. It's, um, I don't know, I think it's, video game companies are getting a lot better at being able to acknowledge the live streamers um that that basically uh, promote their game for free on their channels you know so yeah no and i i think that um it's a really great thing that bungie is doing and it really does show their commitment to supporting the entire gaming community and especially right now the other thing that took place not too long ago was Mixer announced mm -hmm. that they were shutting down. So you had a lot of content creators who migrated to Mixer who had established accounts, established followings. You know, they were whatever the equivalent of being partnered was on Mixer. They had that account right. status. Yeah. So a lot of uncertainty was created by change and I, I think this also prompted Bungie to really do something to reinvigorate the community and to give people a way to support and give people incentives which I think it's great I think it's an awesome thing to do the only thing I do want to say is that and and maybe Addy you might have some thoughts on this because you are a twitch streamer mm -hmm. so that's kind of your bread and butter right do you think that Twitch is getting a little bit too much of the cut? I mean, because when you think of subscribing to a content creator and you think, oh, $4.99, you're not thinking that 
half that money goes yeah. to I think a lot, a lot of people don't realize that um, Twitch effectively takes half of your sub. If you're not a streamer, um, unless you're a very well-informed viewer, you don't actually realize that Twitch will take half of your half of the money that you earn, or half of well, I say earn half of the money that has been uh, gifted to you. Um, so it's. Um, so say someone earn say someone gets gifted a hundred subs. Technically, that's that's five hundred dollars. Right, we'll go off the dollars because you know Twitch uses dollars. Um, even though, so two hundred and fifty dollars is an amazing amount to earn, like in one go. But that's exactly what it is. It's half of what this person has paid. And as a, like, I believe as a partner, you can renegotiate how much of the percentage that Twitch takes from, from subs, like on a, on a tiered basis. Um, but I think that it's, I think Twitch could afford to be a little bit less greedy. Um, because then it's a little bit less stressful on content creators. Like, um, part of the reason that I think a lot that blew up uh, a lot of the support that blew up for me in, in November, December time was because I am very open and honest about everything in my community. If I, you know, um, I basically said to them that I was, as well, I was going back to nursery because I wasn't earning enough from this. I would have to go to a full-time job. And that's like I would have to I I would have to dial back on streaming and I would have to go to a full time job, you know. And like, in no way did I say I know this this must sound like very money grabbing, but in, in no way did I say that you guys aren't supporting me enough. Blah 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 blah. It was more, hey, listen, this is a deal. I'm probably gonna have to cut back on streaming because I need to go get a job because well, I was going to nursery and I'm not. At the time, I was getting government funding. Is like I was getting um, government benefits because I was a single parent. Um, but I I believe wholeheartedly in. Like I didn't want to change things and not be open about it. Um, and so I was like, listen, uh, I need to do this. Blah 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 blah. And then the community just decided that instead that they were just gonna help me out, you know. Um which has been absolutely bonkers. And I'm just, I'm just waiting for the other fruit to drop. But, like, my mind is that... So instead of Twitch taking, like... I believe that maybe they should take, like, half of, like, a Tier 3. Half of a Tier 3 is 12... Um, $12. Like, $12.50. And maybe they should take um four uh, so like 45 or 40 percent of a tier two um but i really believe that they should take a little bit less from from tier ones because tier ones are so prevalent across the entire platform i i think that maybe they should look at taking 30 percent from tier tier ones anyway they shouldn't be taking a full, um, like, imagine how much easier 
people would be able to do content creation full time if only they got that extra 50 cents from uh from a tier one sub that person who's then just been gifted like 10 subs then gets like a, a slightly larger portion of that so like someone gifts 10 subs that's 50 actually i'm going to go to 100 because it's easier to work out for percentages wise um so someone gifts 100 subs that's 500 dollars and then instead of them taking half they get like 30 percent of it and i'm trying to do the math This is really interesting because I I did not know about the whole tiers with subs. That's well, that yeah, just goes to show got, how little I the, understand. You've got the three about tiers. You've got the five dollars. You've got the ten dollars, and you've got the twenty five dollars. Tier one, tier two, and tier. Uh, standard as an affiliate, Twitch will okay. take half of every single sub. Doesn't matter if it's twenty five. Doesn't matter if it's ten, or if it doesn't matter if it's five. They will always take half. I believe. For, this is my own personal beliefs. Is that I think that yeah, sure, take half of a. Half of a tier three, you know, 40% of a tier two. But I really think they should be taking something like a 30% for a tier one. Because tier one subs are gifted everywhere. Like if you look at, um, I don't want to go into anyone's financials because really it's none of my business. But like you look at some of the top tier content creators, right? And if you just look at their sub numbers and you times that by five. No, sorry. Yeah, if you if you times that by so someone has like say someone has a thousand subs and just assume that they're all tier ones. Okay, that's five thousand dollars. The person will only get two thousand five hundred of that. Now tell me why Twitch is able to take two thousand five hundred when, yes, sure, they are providing the platform to stream on, but it's the person that's doing all the work. It's the person that's doing... For for someone that does all of the work and only getting 50% of what te- they're technically earning, it's a bit unfair. Like, Necro, Sam, one of my community, got an excellent point. If they only took 30%, it would give the streamer an extra $100 per 100 subs which could be the make and break between being able to do this full-time and being able to do it part-time, depending on how they live. I would, I would highly recommend that anyone that looks into doing streaming part, like streaming full-time has a bunch of savings and has like, you know, things really set out for them. The only reason that I managed to fall into a full-time streaming opportunity is because that I was getting government benefits. And at the time that I first started, I was in a relationship. I am now a single parent that only gets money from Twitch. I do not get government funding anymore or anything like that. And I'm just very, very extremely lucky that I'm one of the few that can make a full living off of this. Um, And that's due to the generosity of people. I mean, I, I shout at people all the time to stop gifting subs because at this point in time, the world is in a really uh, difficult financial place. Um, but online services like Twitch and stuff like that are raking it in currently. And I don't think that they should, like, I personally believe that they should be taking less from the lower tiers because they, they would still make so much money. Um, 
I mean, you know, and I'm almost wondering if if they let's say took twenty percent, just straight twenty percent, I don't think they would have a tough time operating because their margin it's not like it's costing them so much to operate the service where they have to charge that much. They're doing so simply out of greed, out of wanting to make more money. And I should say Twitch is owned by Amazon, which is one of the richest companies in the world. So I know I mean, they I can afford to allow for the content creator to, to make more money to be able to sustain themselves with having less I of an audience size and less to subscribers. Be fair, um Twitch's um Twitch needs to uh, dial down a little bit on how much they they take, but I think thirty percent is more is more reasonable. I very much doubt Twitch would ever turn around and say, "Okay, we're only taking twenty percent because that's too low a fraction for them." Twenty percent of of five dollars is is a dollar. No. Yes. Yeah. Dollar. So, like for for every it's a buck it's for every hundred subs, yeah. say someone gets a hundred subs, they're only going to get. What hundred hundred dollars off of that? That will be that will be suitable for them. They get three hundred dollars. Uh, sorry, no, my math is wrong. Um, so say they get like two hundred dollars per hundred gifted subs. You know that it's it's very. I don't know. I'm looking at it from a from a smaller. Um, a smaller streamer's side of things. I think that if Twitch were a little bit more, a little bit more streamer friendly, as if they made it a little bit more accessible potentially, um, then they could see a huge growth. But you know, at the same time, I'm I'm still quite happy that. Uh, I'm able to do this on this platform, and I don't think I would ever move to another platform. There's, there's been some, some stirring in the waters to do with a new streaming service called Trovo, um, and their, their partner package sounds almost too good to be true. Yeah, and, and I mean, also, you do get the reliability of a very established platform on the Amazon's web services, so you do get that. And I think the other really cool thing is that Twitch enables anybody with a passion for something to create content and they don't need to spend money. You don't need to get web hosting. You don't need to do anything. I mean, and granted, you do need a I mean, camera or, you know, you your can basic stream directly from your Xbox and you can stream directly items, but... from your PS4 now. I think one of the things that's, that's super expensive for Twitch, though, um, is that there's only, I suppose there is only a very small percentage of streamers that really, like, make it, that actually make a profit. You know, there's a, there's a lot of streamers that will stream um, to zero people because they haven't, they haven't had that, they haven't been able to, to break into it just yet. And, you know... Twitch is the one that provides all the all the stuff for them. It provides them the hosting, provides them the 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 encoding and everything like that, which would still be expensive. Like not not expensive like for that one individual person, but like when you think about the amount of people that can that actually 
because we don't actually know what the the price is we don't know how much a streamer has to earn before they're technically making twitch a profit so it would be really interesting to see those numbers though to then see um what it is because obviously we we look at it as like okay so how much can can we make to uh make this hobby worth it you know that kind of thing but then i suppose on the other side you've got to think how much would make how much is this going to make how much do i have to make before i'm earning twitch before twitch is making a profit off of me that's a good point yeah and i hadn't really considered that but yeah that's a great point yeah and and just to recap if you do support your local content creator and you gift two subs bungie is giving away something kind of cool it is a essentially mm -hmm. like a, a package you get a shader and you get a uh, exclusive emblem i'm sorry it's not a shader yeah. or is the it a shader really nice, actually. you get a shader and an emblem and so that is available right now and currently it's an ongoing thing i don't think bungie has any plans on ending this uh, promotion and as long as you are on stream with a content creator who does have the bungie twitch extension installed you gotta obviously make sure that the the extension is up and running what i've found is that when you go live um it helps if people refresh the stream and then it comes up because uh, yesterday when I went live, they were like, oh, the extension's not working. And then after about five minutes, people said that they'd refreshed and it started working and stuff. So always make sure and always make sure that you've linked your profile, your Twitch profile with Bungie as well. Cool. Now, the extension yeah. works specifically when you're playing the game itself, correct? Okay, cool. Yeah, so we'll definitely be on the lookout for that. And we do have some more exciting news. It's July, and mm -hmm. that means Bungie Day is coming pretty soon. In about five days, it's Bungie Day. And to celebrate, Bungie is creating a couple of things. They're creating a Bungie Day fashion show. And here's what they say about the fashion show. It's no secret we have a thing for the color blue. Snap on your favorite blue shader, grab a screenshot of your guardian out in the worlds of Destiny 2, and tweet at Bungie with your tag, hashtag Bungie Day Fashion Show. We'll retweet the winners on Bungie Day proper and grant them the Levante Prize emblem for their troubles. Looks like a pretty cool, cool little emblem. That's nice. So get ready, Guardians, to bust out the color blue. And we do have another thing that Bungie announced in celebration of Bungie Day, and it's the Bungie Day art show. And here's what they say about this. Fashion isn't the only thing that's on our mind. The artists of the Destiny community are some of the best. True story. And we're excited to see what you've got. Draw your Guardians 
favorite vanguard, most feared raid boss, or whatever your heart desires that's destiny themed. Tweet at Bungie with the tag hashtag Bungie Day Art Show. Like the fashion show will retweet winners on Bungie Day and grant winners the aspect of luminance emblem. And that looks really cool as well. So yeah, that's a neat little way to celebrate. So make sure to go on Twitter and tweet at Bungie with your guardian and your art. That'd be cool if Grace actually uh, submitted something to see if, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that'd be really great for Grace to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and then we also have some patch note previews next Tuesday. There will be Destiny 2 update 2.9.1 that will bring a ton of bug fixes for Season of Arrivals. And a few of the changes that are coming for contact events, uh, Bungie is fixing an issue where the heavy hitter's triumph was not progressing when defeating bosses. Also, they're fixing an issue where players could collect and bank 15 motes prior to unlocking appropriate prismatic cast recaster reward ranks. For contact weapons, we're getting a few fixes there as well. An issue is being fixed where cold denial and falling guillotine, guillotine didn't offer two perks in the final column when unlocking the Umbral Enhancement 3 gift on the Prismatic Recaster. In addition, Bungie is fixing an issue where Fallen... Fallen Guillotine? I think it's Guil... Am I saying this right? I don't know. Guillotine. Guillotine, yep. Guillotine. Guillotine. French words, man. It's a tongue twister. (laughs) My goodness. Words are hard. Fallen Guillotine could continue damaging enemies after the heavy attack animation has been completed. And also, sleeping, sleeper, sleeping, wow, we all know what's on my mind. Uh, The sleeper catalyst, an issue was fixed where the reissued Seraph weapons were not granting progress to the catalyst objectives. There were a couple of issues during the raids for the Last Wish and Garden of Salvation. The gear was updated to have Season of the Arrivals max infusion caps. Yeah, I would be a little irritated if I beat the Garden of Salvation and my drops weren't up to the infusion cap that it needed to be. So that is being fixed. All great things. And then lastly, the weekly Vanguard bounties are getting some changes. They they are removing the Scorn, Cabal, Vex, and Fallen variations from weekly bounties from the Season of the Arrivals pool. And those are some of the things that are coming to the patch update 2.9.1 this coming Tuesday. And we also have the movies of the week. And um, I don't think there's too much else in this update. Um, do you guys have any other 
things you wanted to cover with the update? No, I think I'm good. What's it? All right. Well, Guardians, I think it's that time. I think we have come to that time. I mean, it's been over three hours. So thank you all for joining us today on the Destiny Show podcast. It was a blast. Addy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And um, before we wrap things up, yeah, have so much fun. And before we wrap things up, we do have a tradition on the show where we rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tune rolls. And we'll do that tonight in traditional form. And Addy, do you want to go first since you um, are our sure. guest tonight? Is it like one to five? Or one? Yep. Yeah, we're going to, yep. One 12, to five spicy tuna rolls. A three. It's, it was a very, very, very light. Twelve. nothing really of, of, I'm sad about Dark Drinker, but nothing really of super, nothing really to get super excited about. I was very disappointed in, in uh, I, I'm just going to come out here and say it. I'm sick and tired of seeing PvP montages winning movie of the week when I know that there's so many wonderful m- people making original stuff. I mean, they're very, I'm sure they're very skilled and stuff like that, but it, it would be nice to see more original things. Definitely, definitely. And uh, we're going to have to check out the movies of the week. I haven't had a chance to check them out yet, but uh, we'll definitely take some time after the show. And um, Shadow Price, do you want to give us your insight? What would you rate this week's Bungie Weekly Update? I'm going to go 2.5, two and a half, two and a half spicy tuna rolls. Ooh, that's a low yeah. today. Okay. Just, 2.5. just informational things. And yeah, it's cool that they're, you know, the bungee days coming and they're going to have the emblems there, you know, and the, the Twitch uh, sub rewards for gifting subs and things like that. That's all cool information about iron banner and the patches, just nothing too, you know, I'm not I'm not super jazzed and excited about it. So it's middle of the road for me. Two and a half. So I'm going to rate the weekly update. Mm, let's see. I'm going to give it. Hmm, two. I'm going to give wow, it a two out of five. Wow. <laughs> because. Yeah, because here's the thing. I don't think there was anything in this update that was really substantial. Like. There's nothing in this update that was new that I didn't already know about. Like, I already knew about the uh, Twitch thing that was happening, the campaign. So that was really cool. I mean, it's great they're doing it, but putting it in the update, I don't think that's almost gas, almost gas station substantial. Uh, spicy tuna. <laughs> almost. Yeah, like, you know, this update didn't really get me excited for anything. You know, it, it was just, yeah, you know. Bungie Day is coming, but, you know, I'm not an artist. I can't really draw, so there's that. (laughs) And um, I have a colorblind deficiency, so I might pick the color blue. But in case I don't, then, you know, I'm SOL there, too. So it's like, eh, you win some, you lose some. You win some, you lose some. So 
I think it was all right. It wasn't anything special. I'm going to give it a two out of five spicy tuna rolls. And Addie, before we let you go, do you want to share with our audience where we can learn more about you and your awesome content? Um, you can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram. I don't use that much. Uh, I really should. Um, I'm on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv forward slash robotic And I am also on Twitter under robotic It's where I post. I, I spend my day scrolling through Twitter. It's a really bad habit. So, but yeah. And definitely make sure to follow Addie. She is awesome. She helps so many guardians through so many events. She's a very positive individual in the community. And whether you're looking to complete your first raid or you're looking to join a very positive, awesome destiny community, I think she is an awesome, awesome person. And thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you on tonight. And Shadow Price, where can we learn more about uh, you? You can follow me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79. Um, I've been like really adamant about tweeting um, today, like because my friend is basically gonna, she's gonna have the chance of being on the cover of Maxim Magazine if everybody gives, if she gets enough votes. And she was in first place in her group right before the 11 o'clock hour. So they're gonna make the decision on July 3rd. So I'm hoping she won because that would be incredible for her. That's pretty awesome. Awesome. Well, good luck to her. And that sounds really, really exciting. So that that's awesome. Yep. And Lady Lucida, do you share with us what you thought about Where this week's guys Bungie Weekly me? Update? Yes, I call it the Bungie Weekly Update. And that's how you know I am old school. <gasps> um, what did you get this week's Bungie old Weekly school. Update? I mean, I thought it was all right. I thought it was cool that they kind of... Like, I don't know, I kind of skimmed it. TBH. Because I, like, nothing... I just... Honestly, the only thing I'm waiting for is for them to better explain the... what's going away. Because some people are like, oh, yes, this is going away. And some people are like, no, 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 that's not going away. This is going away. Like, some clearing up of that, I think, would be nice. And then I'm just waiting for them to explain how transmog works. Because... Do I need to hoard all of this armor, or is it from collections? So I thought it was all right, but I, I'm just—that's the only thing I'm really waiting for—is that particular information. So I, if we're rating it on spicy tuna rolls, I'd say about three out of then. No, wait, or out of ten, not five. Are, are we doing it out of five or ten? Oh, out of five. Uh, five. Two out and of a five. Half. It's just in the middle. This is there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Ooh, okay. We are cool. in agreement. And, and Lady Lucida, where can our community learn more about you and what you do? Oh, no. Oh, Lord. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter uh, with the handle Lady Lucida. And Lucida spelled L-U-C-I-D-A. And I'm also on Twitch, even though I haven't streamed for uh, a really long time, because school and work and work. And then I had to move back in with my parents, because, you know, college. 
It's so fun. It's really not. Also, my internet here sucks. So, crying. I don't think I can stream until I, like, get my own apartment. Which is great in this current environment. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, the whole shebang. Same gamer username. I almost said gamer tag, thinking about Xbox. Whoopsies. But, yeah, that's where you guys can find me. Very, very cool. And you can find the Destiny Show podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and everywhere you can think of. We're also on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash the Destiny Show. But you already know that. You can also find us on the web at destinyshow.com. You can find us on Twitter at the Destiny Show. And you can find myself at OMG Cornholio on Twitter, talking about random gaming stuff all the time. And Guardians, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. And we'll see you all next week. Take care, Guardians. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Are you worried you don't have all the answers? Have you ever found yourself in an internet rabbit hole? Call Call Mystery Mystery Time Time Live Live today. today! It's a new detective business. With plenty of heart. And a questionable track record. We're only in the office for an hour. Every Wednesday. Come hang out. Solve a mystery. It's a podcast. It's a live show. It's a swell time. Subscribe now. The producers of Mystery Time Live ask you not to take any advice or guidance of the because they have no idea what they're doing. No mystery will actually be fully solved. And that's information by a spontaneous outside source or sheer luck. You can find them live on the Twitch app and find their podcast later on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Google, and iTunes. Listening may cause hurtful your death or loss of sanity. We are sorry. This is probably legally by and you cannot do it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.